You know, Rand Paul must be having a really good day. I can only imagine that when the news broke about Fauci's emails getting leaked, he started, you know, jumping up on his desk and then shuffle dancing and then jumped back down to tweet, told you so. And that was just it. And I saw the tweet from Rand Paul. And he's like, told you so, fire Fauci. And I'm like, what told you so? What was told? I don't know what the emails contain. Rand, tell me more. An email, January 31st, 2020, to Anthony Fauci suggested that researchers believed at the time that COVID was engineered. It is only now, about a year and a half later, Fauci says he's not convinced it was uh, COVID was naturally occurring and lab leak theories becoming more prominent. It's a very, very strange set of circumstances. And while it may be that the initial assessment was it looks engineered and then later on they changed their mind, when you also learn that Fauci was sending emails about gain of function research and then telling Rand Paul, we don't do this, you are incorrect. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, uh, so he was talking about it. He didn't understand the context. And then he gets an email, apparently, from the guy from EcoHealth saying, thank you for shutting down this conspiracy theory. Just sounds a whole lot like he's hooking up his buddy who is being implicated in the research that may have led to this lab leak and cost a lot of lives. So we're going to jump into this. We got a bunch of other news, too. A disaster has been declared on the southern border of Texas. Governor Abbott says that Joe Biden's open borders policies are just causing drugs and gangs. And where's where, where's Joe Biden? What's he doing? Making things worse, I guess. Well, we are being joined today by the Jack Posobiec. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you that I, I've heard about this this chat going on that uh, asking about my stance on cargo shorts. <laughs> and I'm here to tell you, folks, that cargo shorts in the, the Poso Republic will get you sent straight yes. to jail. Oh yeah, straight yeah. Oh, when Thank I'm you. when I'm Supreme Chancellor, cilantro, fennel, uh, gone. Uh, Wait, uh, cilantro? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, we're talking about cilantro. Believe it or not, jail. This is a problem what? with cancel culture. <laughs> okay. It never stops. I will, I will lead the cilantro uprising against you. <laughs> the cilantro, cilantro brigades. fennel, caraway, anise. Oh, celery. God. Speaking of my love language. Mm. <laughs> celery is... Like. Celery is a jail sentence. Okay. Not, not, no, no not cilantro death. is a garnish, though. It's not. It's not a meal. It's a garnish. Yeah, but they put it in every. It, 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 it's like no, don't put it on my stuff. I don't like it. It Doesn't taste good. You it's, can ask for no cilantro. Then, like I'm not a sour cream guy, but I yeah, I can, but some I just places no sour cream. Like I'll go to a Mexican restaurant. And they're like, oh, it's all pre-made. Oh, I, you know what I like? Well, I, what do you want pre-made places for though? In the first, I know place? You that's got, on you. you, you that's to, on you. You go to a place where they make it in front of you. That's yeah, right. and I'm always like this. I'm always like extra onions. Yes, extra lemon juice. Oh yeah, and no cilantro. I, I want my cilantro. I'll pay extra. I don't oh, even care. You can stuff it in a tube and then filter water through the tube. What? And even like fecal contaminated water and it'll drip out clean, fresh water and then huh. just grow it in your backyard. What place cilantro are you is, going to eat? I'm all over the place. Cilantro's out. Um, yeah, but but, but, but hold on, hold on. I'll compromise. <laughs> we'll ban cargo shorts okay. if you agree with no cilantro. I can live with What is this? Partisan Bipartisanship. Sorry about that, sweetheart. Tanya's going to be mad in, at me for that one. In, in, 50, in 50 years, like somehow by some twist, the timeline actually is you're in charge of the Republicans, I'm the Democrats, and we're like, we agree and shake hands. We're like, yes. Yeah, it's, like, it's, like, it's like Tip O'Neill and, and Reagan back in the day. <laughs> like, yes, now let's go drink our fecal juice. <laughs> everyone's <laughs> everyone's confused as to what yeah. this has to do with anything. Right, exactly. It's like No, because we'll have solved everything else. These will be the only two remaining issues that are outstanding. It's like an artistic. Yeah. Yes. yeah, I love it. All right, we yeah. got, uh, I think Ian is oh, chilling. Yeah, I am. Thank you, Tim. Yes, hello, Ian Crossland up in this house. Good to be yes. here. Hi, yeah, Jack. That's correct, yeah. Good to see you, buddy. I'm very excited. Jack is here for our 300th episode. Oh I'm not sure gosh. if this is momentous. My third appearance on, on the 300th 300. episode. Wow. Oh, wow, magical. that's fortuitous. Like, I love it. absolutely fortuitous. Yeah. 
You, you look like Leonidas. That's what I was thinking. I feel like Leonidas. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. the whole dying part. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> not, yeah, and you like kicking pe- kicking the messenger into the pit. Yeah, no, no, I'll do that yeah. all day long. Yeah, yeah. especially yeah. if he's wearing cargo he's wearing shorts. cargo shorts. Yeah. All right, are we uh, are we good? <laughs> Lydia's here. She's pushing buttons. I am. Yes, I am. That's me. All right, everybody. Before we get started and talk about the the craziness, which you never know if it's going to get you banned, because whatever. Uh, go to TimCast.com and become a member. Click that amazing members only button. And then you will get access as a member to the members only area where we talk about a bunch of stuff YouTube does not allow. We talked about the Great Reset yesterday. Before that, we had Matt Brainerd talking about uh, voter fraud issues, saying buckle up. You'll want to check those things out. And uh, after this show, we're going to have another, I love it, mega conspiracy bonus episode. Uh, it's going to be for members only. If there's a bunch of re- like really out there crazy conspiracies about what's going on right now, people have crafted whole alternate universes they live in, and they're st- they're fun to talk about. But YouTube would probably ban us if we even joked about these things, which is stupid. So it'll just be a fun after show. So make sure you sign up. But don't forget to like this video, subscribe to this channel if you really like the work we're doing. If you think it's important, if you think we should have more viewers than CNN, share this show. Take the URL, put it on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever, Mines, all the places, Gab, and tell people, hey, you go watch this show. It's a good show. And, and otherwise, CNN gets propped up by YouTube, and they get all the views, and they make all the money, so we got to fight back. So you can go ahead and do that. But let's jump into the news. Check this out. Is there news today? Was, it's there official. Any, was, was there anything that came out today? Yes. Well, it's new. Something? A little bit? Yeah. Does that make it news? The North, yeah, East, West, and South. North, South, and South. There will be news every day. That's right. Fauci was warned that COVID-19 may have been engineered emails show. The New York Post reports, Dr. Fauci was warned the coronavirus has possibly been engineered and appeared to be taking reports about it seriously. At the same time, he was publicly downplaying the notion of the virus being created in a lab, according to his emails. Meanwhile, Fauci, America's top expert in infectious disease, also got a personal thank you for backing the natural origin theory from the head of a nonprofit that used a $3.4 million government grant to fund research at the Chinese lab suspected of creating the virus. On January 31st, 2020, more than two months before the World Health Organization characterized COVID as a pandemic, Fauci sent an email to to U.S. virus researcher Christian Anderson and Sir Jeremy Farrar, who runs a global health charity in Britain. Fauci forwarded them a copy of a science magazine article, article titled Mining Coronavirus Genomes for Clues to the Outbreak's Origin. This just came out today. You may have seen it. If not... It is of interest to the current discussion, uh, wrote Fauci, the longtime head of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease. Anderson, who runs a viral genomics lab at Scripps Research in La Jolla, California, wrote back, the problem is that our phylogenetic analyses aren't able to answer whether the sequences are unusual at individual residues, except if they're, com- except if they're completely off. The unusual features of the virus make up a really small portion of the genome, less than 1%. So one has to look really closely at the sequence to see that some of the features potentially look engineered. Anderson also noted that he and others, quote, all find the genome inconsistent with expectations from evolutionary theory, but added, quote, there are still further analyses to be done, so those opinions could still change. Just two days later on February 2nd, Farrar sent a brief email to Fauci and other U.S. health officials in which he asked for a conference call later tonight or tomorrow to discuss their response to a pending announcement from the World Health Organization. Farrar then added, meanwhile, and a link to an article at the Zero Hedge website with the headline, quote, coronavirus contains HIV insertions, stoking fears over artificially created bioweapon. Fauci responded that email by forwarding the email chain to Dr. Francis Collins, director of the National Institutes of Health, and asking, do you have a minute for a quick call? 
The 3,200 plus pages of Fauci's emails posted on Tuesday by BuzzFeed, which they got through a FOIA request, also show that he and Collins corresponded in April 2020 about Fox News reporting on increasing confidence that the virus COVID-19 started in a Wuhan lab. In an April 16, 2020 email to Fauci and other U.S. health officials, Collins sent a link to Mediaite report to a media, Mediaite report about a discussion on Fox News Hannity program. Collins' email bore the subject line, conspiracy gains momentum, but its entire contents were blacked out other than the link and his name at the end. Fauci responded to Collins' email, but whatever he wrote was also blacked out. Meanwhile, two days after Collins sent his email, Fauci received a message from Peter, how do you pronounce it, Dashik? Dashik. Dashik. Yeah. a zoologist and president of the EcoHealth Alliance. Quote, I just wanted to say a personal thank you on behalf of our staff and collaborators for publicly standing up and stating that the scientific evidence supports a natural origin for COVID-19 from a bat to human spillover, not a lab release from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. From my perspective, your comments are brave and coming from your trusted voice will help dispel the myths being spun around the virus's origins. The next day, Fauci wrote back, many thanks for your kind note. Last year, the Wall Street Journal reported that EcoHealth Alliance used its NIH grant to study coronaviruses in Chinese bats and sent the Wuhan lab just about $600,000. The five-year grant was renewed for a total of $3.7 million in 2019, but it was canceled in April 2020 under President Trump on the grounds the research didn't align with the NIH's program goals and agency, uh, agency priorities. During April 2020, Fauci repeatedly made public statements suggesting the coronavirus was the result of an unusual human-animal interface in a Chinese wet market, and that the mutations that it took to get to the point where it is now totally consistent with a jump to a, of a species to animal to human. Okay, okay, I'm, I, I got to stop. I think I think the evidence is clear. Fauci knew there were there were suggestions from researchers that he had contacted that this was engineered. The guy he knows, the guy he was providing funding, says thanks for dispelling the myths. Where did Fauci come up with the wet market? with the unusual bat to human transmission of this virus. They were literally doing bat coronavirus research thanks to the money that was sent to EcoHealth Alliance. I mean, to me, it sounds clear cut. Fauci, did he make up the story about the wet market? Well, so the story of the wet market didn't start with Fauci. It starts with the CCP. This was the Chinese government's main line that they were pushing forward. They were the ones who were putting it out there. They were the ones that were talking about this wet market. Uh, they were spreading these videos. If you remember the bat soup, they actually right. had this influencer apologize for doing a bat soup, um, you know, sort of like, right. you know, TikTok video and starting this trend. And so this was all coming from this sphere of the Chinese government, right? Which we probably should have questioned. And obviously we did question very early on to say, why are we trusting the CCP when we know that the CCP denied that this thing was going on? They denied human human transmission until literally the point that they couldn't deny it anymore. They were locking up doctors. They were doing everything they could to hide this information from coming out. But then we just accept their narrative for how it got out. Hold so, on a second. So, so Fauci contacts virologists in Britain who say it looks engineered. Then he sees on the TV from CCP media. It's a wet market. And he goes, it's clearly the wet market. And then he goes on TV and says, well, you know, that's the wet market. There you go. Well, there's Do also we believe an email. that? Do we trust that? So there's also an email in there um, in these early days. This is We're talking, remember, January, February of 2020. So this is sort of that early time where we're all asking questions. And we all, of course, can see the proximity of the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And we're, you know, asking very, very rational questions, rational concerns of, hey, th this is really close to a huge 
bio lab. What's what's going on with across that, the street right? from <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. you know what's going on with the bio lab across the street from the wet market? Can we can we see this thing? Um, and especially for even if even if someone I, I I lived in China for two years, but even if someone doesn't know the, the geography of China that well, Wuhan is about a thousand miles away from Quinming, where these bats actually reside and where these these main caves are that they study the coronaviruses because it's this one huge system of caves in Yunnan province there or Yunnan province where um, where they found a lot of this where where you know miners have gotten sick and and all the rest of it so who's doing the most traveling between those caves in Wuhan well of course it would be the researchers at the Wuhan Oh Institute come on Jack it was clearly the poor wet market you know uh, salesmen who yes, traveled yes. by foot with buckets of bats for a thousand <laughs> miles and back to sell at the Wuhan wet market Right right or or the the diseased bat just flew from the caves all the way to Wuhan didn't get anyone sick in between the 1,000 miles that it traveled didn't stop off you know you know like when geese fly south and they stop in my lake no 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 it's not like that no they flew directly to that wet market why because it was deliberate the bats were just like the bats Yo, knew no, the, and, and then it, it they're, just they're it eating us in there man miles? we got we got uh, we, we got to strike back okay, let's go to that. I, I think, you know, at the time, we didn't have the information we had now. Look, look, these are reasonable questions, and it's it's kind of silly, and that's why we're, we're making jokes about it, because you look at the early days of it, and Fauci's concerns, and you look at some of the concerns about these emails that are coming in, specifically when he's talking about the WHO, they're talking about Tedros, who is the head of the WHO, and they want to get their talking points straight. They want to get this public narrative, this public opinion push straight forward. There's no questions about... You know, it, it, you'd expect that the, from the bureaucracy standpoint that if you're, you know, if, if this is the movie version of it, right, that the scientists go, you know, get me on the phone with Wuhan. What were you guys doing up there? Right. What came, what was happening in that lab? Or, you know, even on the flip side of that, again, the re, if you take their stated purposes for conducting these experiments as, hey, we're doing research into coronaviruses. A lot of them come out of China. So we, it makes sense to do the research there because we want to get ahead of there being a pandemic. Well, wouldn't it then follow that you're calling Peter Doshak and you're calling your Chinese colleagues to say, hey, is this similar to anything you've seen? Do you have anything that could maybe give us a jump on creating some kind of treatment for this thing that you guys may have, you know, come across in the course of your decade plus long research there? Which was the purpose of the research. That was the stated purpose. That was the stated purpose of the funding. That was the stated purpose of all these approvals through EcoHealth Alliance. You don't see any of that going on whatsoever what do you see these emails about talking points the emails about narrative and then the emails from peter Doshak. thank you so much for dispelling these myths to, to, to be fair you know uh we, we we did a really good job um we know that fauci was providing funding to eco health alliance who were, who were using that funding for gain of function research to the wuhan lab so who would be better to choose to go and do the investigation <laughs> other than the guy who runs Eco Health Alliance? Clearly, he's the expert. We have investigated he, 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 ourselves. He went there and they found nothing wrong. <laughs> and found that we did nothing wrong. Thanks. Exactly. Yes, like, see, he, he's the most qualified because he's literally doing – look, he's literally doing the research at the Wuhan lab. Who, why would you pick someone else? He can recognize it, can't he? He's the one who knows. He can walk in and say, see, we're not funding and build, and, and, and doing gain-of-function research here. You see it? Nothing to so see, the, you know? This, he's the president of EcoHealth Alliance. Is that yes. this guy? Yes. So he, the guy who is getting paid by whoever, Fauci or the U.S. government, to do research on bat coronaviruses, sent an email to Fauci thanking him for dispelling the myth that, that it came from a research laboratory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but then, I, but it, then it just came from across the street. 
But then you have to fast forward too. So it's it's nine months later when the WHO, and this is what Tim is referring to, when the WHO sends their team into the Wuhan lab. Remember, there's this big thing. Oh, the WHO team is going. The WHO team is going. Who was the leader of that team? Wow. Peter Daszak, the head of EcoHealth huh. Alliance. And, and right, as the I same mentioned. guy. And he, as I mentioned, he has the most experience. Mm-hmm. So obviously when the Lancet went to do their investigation, well, of course we got to send Peter Daszak yeah. as well. Yeah. He has the most to lose. Yeah. So you should yeah. let him... Let him take control. No, no, of the no. Situation. He's the expert. Yeah. Yeah, he's, like, he's like, like the Ian, expert. If I was going to investigate whether or not you were, you know, stealing cookies from the cookie jar and bringing them into your bedroom, well, I, I think you should let me do that. I, investigation I should let you. For you. Let Ian <laughs> I know my bedroom better. You would know if you were yeah. eating the cookies. Yeah, I know where to look. You know your schedule. Yeah. You know your pattern of That's life. Right. You know your movements. <laughs> right. Detective. Can't lie to myself, dude. They let her. They, they actually let the fox in the hen house twice. Literally, what they did. And then what's funny is, so did Trump. Fauci's the guy who approved the funding and. Let's this. Let's. It's 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 absolutely. Well, and not only remarkable. that, and this is you know, I know I'm like supposed to be like Mr. You know, pro Trump guy, but it actually is under Obama that gain of function is shut down. Right? Wow. They they put a ban on gain of function through NIH, and it's in the early days of the Trump administration that now keep in mind that guys at the NIH, you know, this is a fiefdom, right? So Collins and so what people don't understand is that Collins is essentially Fauci's boss, right? You know. But Fauci's actually not the head of the entire NIH. That's Collins. So Collins and Fauci, in the early days of Trump, you know, kind of during that transition period, they get this gain of function pause lifted. They get the ban lifted. And this is where, and you can see in some of these emails, they're talking about the P3 framework. Well, what's the P3 framework? This is supposed to be that if there's anything that comes up for approval in terms of these experiments that seems like it's crossing into that territory that could be gain of function, that it'll go through this review process and they bring in outside experts, they bring in this sort of like cadre to look at it and make sure the safeguards are followed, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, that was never done. And there's actually an email from Fauci where he's attaching one of the studies. Uh, it was in your article there, but it's, it's another email that's out where the study is talking about gain of function. And Fauci's sending it to one of his assistants saying, hey, it was was this one of the things that we that we funded? <laughs> and then he responds and then he responds and says, well, I don't think so, because I don't see anything in the P3 database. So it doesn't look like we approved it because they didn't. It was approved through Peter Daszak and it was approved wow. through EcoHealth Alliance. And so it didn't go through the review process because it wasn't done directly by NIH. And this, again, you know, having spent time working in the federal government, having spent time working in that bureaucracy, you understand th- these guys are bureaucrats. Keep in mind, Anthony Fauci is our number one paid, highest paid federal employee, right? You don't get to that point if you are not good at the game, if you are not yep. good at civil service. Yep. So, you know, do I think he's this like Machiavellian string puller puppet master behind the scenes no you know i do think he wants to be seen as this sort of like uh eminence greece i have to you know credit to raheem kassam for giving me that one but sort of like you know the the power behind the throne like he wants to be seen as that guy but i think at the end of the day he's an institutionalist and he wants to protect the institution let's talk about the politics here now so we got the story from the courier journal senator rand paul claims vindication fundraises off of new anthony fauci emails rand paul questioned fauci and said, what, what, what do you ask him? Like, do you support the gain? The, do, do you still support? We, did, the, he said, does, were you conducting gain of function research? That was I, the main I thought question. he, I thought he said, like, do you still support? And do you having, support? Right, right. And then Fauci is like, that is, Senator, that is incorrect. Entirely, Entirely and completely, and completely <laughs> incorrect. <laughs> no gain of function research was done. Uh, that's not true. Well, and this, that's the, that whole interchange is amazing because if you go back and watch it, it's he denies that it ever took place. He so he denies any of this funding in Wuhan. 
So Rand Paul pushes him a little bit more on it, and then he starts defending why they funded experiments in Wuhan so I, in the I, same exchange. To be fair, I think it's self-evident that he was lying. And I, I wonder if when Dashik, the, the EcoHub Alliance guy, is you know talking to him on the phone or whatever the communications they were having outside of email, he's like, this is really bad that we're, you know, our research may have caused this. We need to get in control of this. So Fauci goes on TV and what dispels the myth, they say. Right, and you I, look I at how I, early, right? You right. look at how early those emails are. You look at how early that conversation yeah, is. Was it February yeah, or March? We're, this is like the very start, and we're told, dismiss, not a thing. Yeah. Don't worry about it. I'll Washington t- Post is, is running headlines. Debunk, debunk, debunk. Why is debunk? Because Fauci said so. So, so I'll say, you know, because I, I take, I, I take the, the more hyperbolic stance of saying it proves Fauci lied, these emails. Because uh, in my opinion, I think Fauci's playing semantics. Yes. I think I think he he he's playing semantics to try and get around the fact that he he lied to Rand Paul that under many oath, people under oath many people are saying it was perjury and when he dismissed gain of function research even though the people he sent the, the the article to were like oh yeah it looks engineered so he's lying I think on top of this Fauci was probably sweating bullets you you hear news about this this covid thing and he's probably going like who did we fund and then he calls EcoHealth Alliance and he's like, what did you guys do? You, okay, you've got to find that, that email from his assistant then because that's what they say, that, that do we have some link, some distance link? That's the phraseology they use, distant link to this work abroad. So it's like they do everything they can to not use the word Wuhan or mm-hmm. Wuhan Institute of Virology. Work abroad. But they, it seems like they know that there is an issue going on here. And by the way, this whole thing, I, I, I should mention this, right? You know, talking about emails and FOIA, this is why Hillary had set up that server, right? Yep. Because she knew <laughs> that FOIA will get you. FOIA will get you if you're a little loose, loosey-goosey with that stuff. And uh, apparently in, that's what was going on here. In my opinion, that email shows it. Fauci was probably, you know, pulling us collar going like, oh, man, if this was one of our programs and how many people died? Millions. It was like three something million. Three and a half. Three and a half million. Oh, yeah. And that's because he funded this research. Now, they're not going to blame him directly because he provided funding to an organization who provided funding to a Wuhan lab. But it's still this is this is the, you know, the classic Michael Crichton, um, you know, formology of it where, you know, you you. You only focused, I'm going to butcher the line, but you know, you only focused on what you could do and you never thought about whether or not you should. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So Fauci, uh, uh, and he has that op-ed now that, that's coming out, I think it's from 2012, where he was asked about the, the dangers. Oh, yeah, they pulled it out, right. The dangers of gain-of-function research. And what did he say? He said, even if it does escape the lab and cause some it's kind worth, of— It's worth the risk. It's worth the risk. It's ah. worth the risk. And so this is what gets me back to my, my initial statement, though. My thesis is— where are these emails? And it's, it's possible that this was on a different, you know, okay, those were, you know, maybe that was classified. Maybe that was done on a, on a higher server because of communication. There, there's all sorts of reasons that something might, would be classified, right? And then it wouldn't show up in FOIA. Um, I was never NIH, so I don't know whether or not they operate under a classified system. But I understand that, if, you know, obviously if something is at the secret level or TS level, it's not going to be coming out in the FOIA. That being said, um, he easily could have come out and said, yeah, we were looking into this. And oh, by the way, here are the top 10 things we found in Wuhan that are similar to this. This is just like that study that, you know, Sher Jung Lee, the Batwoman, and she came up with this study from a year ago. That's these spike proteins. That's exactly what we looked at. And here's, you know, here's this plan on the shelf. See, the idea behind all of this, or at least sort of the, you know, the raison d'etre was that there would be an on the shelf plan or game plan for, okay, we, we've, 
this is the one that's crossed over to the human population. This is the coronavirus that made it. It was this variant. So we've studied it. We have an understanding of how it works. These are the best things to use against it, right? That was the entire point. Where is that work? Where is any of that? After a decade, what were they doing? What did they, what did they ultimately develop? And it seems to be a whole lot of nothing. And, but and, I, and, I, and I it comes I, up in ventilators. And remember, right. the ventilators are the big thing. And then Matt, do masks work? Do they not work? Yeah. He tells someone they don't work. Then he comes out saying that, well, we should anyway because of you know the percentages in terms of the population. And so you're, you're looking at this going, well, wait, you know, just, just based on what you're saying, you know, the whole point of funding Wuhan, the 2012 op-ed, was that we would have some, you know, early warning system in place. I wasn't. I pulled up the article. So it was a it was a 2011 article, I believe. The New York Post reports Fauci once argued for risky viral experiments, even if they can lead to a pandemic. And now the article from Washington Post, it's uh, it's actually it's, you search for Google and it pops up because so many people are clicking on it. But I want to make one point I've made a couple of times in the past couple of weeks. Initially, Fauci said, don't wear masks. And he does this interview on 60 Minutes, came out in March, and he was like, masks are for people who are infected to stop them from infecting others. Right now, people should not be wearing masks. It might stop a droplet, but, you know, we don't, you, you shouldn't be walking around. And then in the email that everyone's sharing, it's from February, he says basically the same thing to someone who asked for advice. Here's the problem with this. Fauci comes out in July and says, I said that because we knew our medical professionals needed the PPE because they're the ones who have to deal with sick people. But Fauci said masks don't protect you from sick people. So what? why would the medical professionals need it? They're not going to get the sick person sick, and it's not going to prevent them from getting sick. But medical professionals still need them, I guess, in general. Okay, fine. That's fair. But if people— It's it's like, why does the x-ray technician stand behind the thing? Because they're the ones there all day. Right. 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 So you have doctors with the masks because they're treating the sick people. Did Fauci not consider that if people wore masks, they wouldn't spread the virus, and then the doctors wouldn't need as many masks because they wouldn't be working long hours with sick people? You see, you see, the problem here is either Fauci's a, a, a real moron because he doesn't understand cause and effect. We'll tell everybody not to wear masks because we and he, he says on 60 Minutes, the mask will stop an infected person right. from infecting others. Then he tells everyone, don't wear the masks because the doctors need them to treat you when you get sick because no one was wearing masks. Meanwhile, the, the spread is continuing yep. throughout the population, which means that a higher percentage of doctors, of course, is going to need them. So it, it, it is this sort of interesting thing where you get into and, and you know Thomas Sowell writes about this where there are certain people who it, it seems that when they when they think about problems they take out that human element yes. yeah. right that element of human nature that element of like this you could get into a whole like liberal conservative kind of thing about this where you know look I I would love to live in this world where it's it's just it's utopia and everybody shares things but human nature is real and you can't get away from that and uh, you know this this, this genius. Is why Fauci commands what, like four hundred and thirty thousand dollars a year from the federal government. It, it, it he more gets than paid the more than the president. More than the president. Say, more more than than the president. president. Yeah, that's certainly more than the last. Incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, Trump was giving away a salary, right. but uh, this, the president gets four hundred thousand. I actually made more than the last president. There you go. Like oh, everyone made more than the last president. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he was getting. He was getting yeah. What was he giving himself a dollar? I, I think. I think he legally had to. Yeah, yeah. like do one. He would donate or something, it, or whatever. Whatever. and then he would still donate that dollar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Uh, for all of this, for all of this genius. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, conditions apply. See website for details. Fauci gets all that money. So I saw you tweet. You said you said that they're uh, actively planning a, 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 an exit for the guy. Yeah. So I got a message um, late last night, and of course I was up watching uh, Batman cartoons. Of and, course. <laughs> um, which 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 Batman cartoon? Actually, Batman versus Robin. So I'm getting oh, into okay. like the old the, like the standalone movie series that came out. Um, I guess from like the 2015 era. And, now know, that I've built the suspense up, let's go back to Fauci. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. So it was, Batman v. Robin was actually really good. I, I like totally got sucked in. I, I right. hadn't watched it, and then it was on my Plex. So I was like, oh, check this out. And it's, it's like real. And my kid didn't like it because it's like, it's like much more adult. But Everyone's on the edge of their seats right now going, just tell I know, them what happened. Right? <laughs> it's going super viral. So, uh, <laughs> but, but basically they said, look, because the emails came out from BuzzFeed, right, they can't put it in that sort of bucket of, oh, that's conservative media, right? It came out from BuzzFeed. Then Washington Post apparently had a similar FOIA, so they came out as well. And so it had to be something that they responded to. And one of the first thing now, obviously, they're talking about multiple angles on this, but they're saying, you know what? Maybe since this thing is winding down, we can look at a potential exit strategy. He's got a book for the good doctor. Does he have a book, though? Does he? Because, so we saw that Fauci, essentially this announcement came out about a Fauci book, but then I went on Amazon later later this afternoon, and the listing was gone, totally gone. Well, people were saying, you know, is he he profiting from the pandemic? This seems unseemly. They were making comparisons to Andrew Cuomo, so so it's like, you know, it's like woke, downplay the virus, uh, you know, a broke, downplay the virus, woke, fun, fun Wuhan, bespoke, put the actual, <laughs> uh, you know, infected patients in the nursing home. Yes. <laughs> so that's, so that's Cuomo. He's easy to be next level. So, you know, I don't know if it's that. I don't know. It could, it could also be a legal thing, right? He's still a federal yeah. employee, but it does definitely seem like there's something going on and that his, his tenure may be, may be coming to an early close. Did you see how BuzzFeed framed the emails? How how Fauci was right. trying to keep things right. together at a time of chaos. My favorite is my favorite is CNN. <laughs> yes, it's, 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 it just it's it's a complete hagiography. It's so we're, it's we're not going to discuss anything that's actually in the emails, but you know the fact that he was able to respond to so many emails while he was so busy. It, there he is, Doctor Fauci, exhausted, late into the night, responding to email after Frank email. Honesty. Just just Rare a source, wonderful, Frank wonderful honesty. man. For this yeah. frank honesty. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, why didn't they frame it like the New York Post did? Like, early emails suggest Fauci knew the potential for uh, uh, lab leak, COVID engine- uh, was, uh, being engineered. Because hey, it, it feels like CNN is sort of the last legacy media outlet that is really on this sort of Fauci train. That, you know, not only... You know, not only because it's like this is a government employee, right? He's a bureaucrat. He's he's a he's a leader. We should be skeptical of all right government employees and government officials. Mm -hmm. But you know, we don't need to hold them up as some sort of you know paragon of of wisdom and you know the oracle at Delphi or something like this. (laughs) You know, it's it's he's a government guy. So, but CNN is still on that train. They're still trying to sell the Fauci merch. They're still trying to do all this. And even BuzzFeed is turned. I'm I'm thinking to myself, why would they publish any emails at all? Because they many of them make them look bad. And then try and frame the story as a positive, not to mention the implications of Mark Zuckerberg. So Zuckerberg's emails are interesting. And I, you know, and and this is kind of 
from a lot of the Peter Dashak stuff was actually kind of out there already. So me looking at it was like, well, you know, we kind of knew this, but it, it is nice to have that confirmation because it, it, again, it, it becomes one of those things and, you know, it's sort of the journalistic game of, you know, it's not what you know, but it's what you can prove in court. So the fact that you have the emails now where they are discussing gain of function, huge, huge, monumental, right? And just in terms of newsworthiness, but in terms of the overall story, it just kind of fills in those gaps so that we basically all suspected to begin with. But the Zuckerberg stuff is super interesting to me because when you when you look at the whole situation of not just Zuckerberg and Fauci, right? But you look at Zuckerberg from his perch throughout 2020, right? And so there he is talking to Fauci in the beginning of 2020. Hey, how can we help? How can we? And I, I do think he he probably meant that in you know from coming from a good place. I do want like he does want to help, you know. So he goes to Fauci, and Fauci is telling him, "Oh, we need the social distancing," and then eventually it becomes the lockdowns, and Facebook is pushing those. And then later on, when the lockdowns are coming, say, "Oh, we're locked down. How are we going to have an election? And who is it that comes in?" And so many people have reported on this that it's it's these foundations that are then set up and funded by Zuckerberg Chan to help with the election in many of these cities and many of these typically trending blue areas, also Zuckerberg. And it's kind of one of those things where you really look back and we say, do we as a society want any one person, right? William Randolph Hearst is a great example, and a one unelected person to have that level of influence in our country. No. Especially with Hearst, it's pretty obvious what he did with to marijuana and his tree paper mill industry. I don't know if you're much familiar with Hearst, but he was oh, yeah. like a paper magnet and owned all these newspapers. Decided he didn't like the competition of people growing hemp and making like parchment out of hemp. So he started printing all this propaganda about why hemp was so dangerous and driving people insane and used his propaganda and, paper to. And Zuckerberg make is doing the modern version of this where you go on Facebook and you say, these opinions aren't allowed, these opinions are. And then you hire and, thousands and to of bring people. it full circle. What were those opinions Which, a year ago? That oh, you, could, you couldn't you couldn't talk about lab leak. You couldn't talk about lab leak. Yeah, right. I you, mean, you there's still a bunch of stuff you can't say. I don't even know if I, I, I'm sitting here waiting. Like YouTube will eventually ban us. I guess Stephen Crowder was talking about CDC uh, numbers, and YouTube gave him a strike. He got. He, he, I hadn't heard that. Really? Yes, yeah, Stephen Crowder's been off YouTube for two weeks. Because Seriously. they were talking about CDC guidelines. Yep. No, no, no. I think that was the first one. Okay. They're, they, they, they've got, they had a oh, warning yes. before. He got a strike. Then he got, uh, he got a warning. Then he got a strike over the CDC. And then the second strike, I think, was because they were saying that the police were justified in the shooting of Micaiah Bryant. And YouTube was like, you were celebrating it. So then oh, they had taken gosh. off. But the first strike, when he mentioned that he was talking about CDC guidelines, and he said some specifics. I don't, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but he was basically just saying, like, here's right. what the CDC says, here's what we think. YouTube gave him a strike for it. Right, and, and so to your point, this, this is the problem, right? This is the problem with allowing these social media platforms to be arbiters of truth because they become arbiters of discussion. And at the same time, going back to the FOIAs, now that we see the Fauci leaks, now that we see the emails in there— He's having the exact same discussions internally that people were trying to have on social media. Zero Hedge, of course, was sort of the canary in the coal mine of this because they're the one of one of the very first places that was publicly talking about the Wuhan lab. They were zapped perma banned on Twitter for this. Now, they were reinstated. But when that first came out, that sent a people don't talk about the repercussions. Oh, that was just Zero Hedge. No, no, no. What were the repercussions of that? What was the secondary and tertiary effects? Everyone was basically told the message was sent. 
this topic is verboten. You are not speaking about this. This is like talking, you know, this week is the Tiananmen Square anniversary um, of the massacre, June 4th. So it's like talking about Tiananmen Square in China, right? It, if this is done, you will be disappeared. That's the message it sent to everybody. That's the freakiest thing about cancel culture is not only is it top-down authoritarian, you're banned, but it's that people become afraid of even mentioning it. So it's like the grassroots effect of cancel, you know, just like canceling yourself before you even begin. Well, if you talk to people who who are from the Soviet Union, my wife is from the Soviet Union. She was born there. Um, you you realize that because you don't know where the rules are, you don't know where the fault lines are, you don't know where the like the ideological landmines are. You know, am I supposed to like this person or hate this person? That kind of stuff. The only way to really be safe is to not have opinions. Right. Is to not question anything, not have opinions on things. It's to shut down in a very internalized way. So the, the overall, you know, the final end state of cancel culture is that you're canceling your own mind. You're canceling your own opinions. You're canceling your individuality. Um, and that's and it's internal. The sensor is actually in. You don't need, you know, the ministry of truth because that's just in your head every day. That really disturbed. That really disturbs me because then they're removing themselves. It doesn't have to be the government. It doesn't have to be Facebook. It doesn't have to be. Twitter. I'm not saying Tanya. By the way, I'm not saying Tanya's like that. You know, right? Yeah. Believe me, she's been in America long enough. She, uh, she, she, she makes she makes her opinions known. She speaks and she her, speaks mind. her mind. Speaks her mind quite often. <laughs> Remember that photo from uh, uh, it was the Soviet Union, and there's like Stalin. He's on a boat. And the guy yeah, next yeah, to him. Yeah, yeah. But then, like, all of a sudden, there's another photo, and there's like no guy next huh. to him. What was that called? They have a name for that or a word for what they were doing with history. I mean, so air, airbrushing, you know, is back really, in the day, you call it? yeah, airbrushing. But you know, what they called it airbrushing back one in thing, the day. One thing, it reminds me of something I, I heard from a North Korean defector once, who was talking about this situation, and he said, you know, and it's it's not as uh, it's not as nice as the way Stolchenitsyn would put it, but. You know, the defector said, look, we know that they're lying about the United States. We know that they're lying about the Western world. Like, we know that you're not just killing each other all the time. And it's like race war and racial strife constantly. We know it's not like that. Right. And, and this chaotic situation. But the problem is because of the censorship, we don't know what the truth is. Yeah. So we don't know what it actually is like. So. Because we have no, we have nothing to verify it on. We have nothing to compare it to. Let's talk about how scary things can really get. We got the story from the Hill. Washington Post issues correction on 2020 report on Tom Cotton lab leak theory. Now that headline from the Hill is irresponsible in my opinion, because they did not issue a correction. They issued what's called a stealth edit, which I'm sure yep. many may be familiar with. But let me show you this tweet from Greg Price. Greg is uh, he just he just doesn't have a bio, but he's verified on Twitter. That, pr that means everything. Yeah. No, Greg's a daily caller. Daily caller. There you go. Yeah, he's great. He's a good guy. He tweets, democracy dies in stealth edits on 15-month-old headlines. And <laughs> the, first, the first image, the Washington Post says, Tom Cotton keeps repeating a coronavirus conspiracy theory that was already debunked. And now it reads, Tom Cotton keeps repeating a coronavirus fringe theory that scientists have disputed. Oh. So what happens is, right now it's happening across the board on tons. He's been upgraded from debunked to fringe. That's right. <laughs> that is or, a no, promotion. From conspiracy to fringe oh. and debunked to disputed by scientists. Right, right. It's not the only outlet doing this. Congratulations, Senator Cotton. They, Congratulations. These, these <laughs> news outlets are literally rewriting history. They are. Think about what it used to be like in the past. 100 years ago. Oh, this is Winston Smith. What, what, what is this? This is, this is the plot of 1984. Well, there you go. That, that's his job, right? In, right. In the beginning is he's the guy who edits old newspapers. So, but, but in reality... 100 years ago, a newspaper would come out and it would say, 
you know, Jack Posobiec does backflip. And you'd be like, there it is. It's reported. And there's a photograph of Jack doing this amazing backflip. You should see my backflip. It's they, fantastic. They, they, nowadays, there'll be an article on, you know, Washington Post website, and it'll show the backflip. And then a month later, without anyone noticing, the article will be different. And it'll say, Jack Posobiec falls doing backflip. <gasps> and, a, and the photo is still there, but it looks a little different. Or it's a different photo where it's gone altogether. See, back in the day, a hard copy wouldn't be changed. Right. They would have to issue a correction later on if they made a mistake in the next paper. Today, they don't even issue corrections. They just change the articles. Now, here's where it gets crazy. Wikipedia, supposed to be this great encyclopedia of the modern era, right? How many articles on Wikipedia use that Washington Post story that says debunked conspiracy? The story's different now. Do we go and delete all those encyclopedia entries that are now incorrect? This is a huge problem with how we are collecting and disseminating information in today's in today's era. News organizations can just change what they said a year and a half later, and then our encyclopedias don't make sense anymore. Because what, so if someone were now to write an article related to COVID, they could use this article, the same link, to make a different point. They could say, it, you know, it was a fringe theory. Scientists dispute it, while as another article says, it's a debunked conspiracy theory. So these inconsistencies will start popping up the well, more and, and more they do and, this. And to, to, to piggyback what you're saying, if let's say you've been living under a rock, right? For the longest time, you're just someone who's like total normie, not interested in any, for whatever reason, you're not interested in COVID-19, <laughs> you, you know, but you, you want to learn about it now. You say, what's slab leak theory people are talking about? I want to dig into it a little more. And they say, oh, Cotton brought it up and it was disputed back then. But that's not true, right? So if the Washington Post wanted to tell the truth, they could have said, yes, it was considered a conspiracy theory when it was first talked about. However, over time, it gained traction. And here's why it gained traction. And here's the actual story of it. But this is the problem because they don't set themselves up as – I mean, think about it. You don't have to have a position on anything anymore, right? Because your position is we are the truth. And so if we are truth, then whatever truth is can become – Instead of, target. instead of it being what uh, uh, what the truth is, we will report. What they're saying now is what we report is the truth. Is the truth, yep. right, exactly. So it doesn't matter what really happened. It just matters what they decide to put on paper. And that's a problem. That's a it's, huge it's, it, problem. It, it has been that way to an extent for a long time. But now stealth editing has become so widespread. And when it comes to very serious historical moments like this, this is actually really scary. You know why? If we're not collecting information in any other capacity, I mean, I suppose we have archives. We have, uh, you know, archive that is, we have the, the Wayback Machine. What happens in 50 years, in 100 years? And they're like, what happened with COVID? And they look back at all the articles and it says lab leak was confirmed very early on. Tom Cotton. So, so right now it says Tom Cotton pushes fringe theory. Great. In a year, I'll say Tom Cotton pushes proven theory. They're going to go back and rewrite history. We knew the whole time Tom was right. So what happens in 100 years? History will be dramatically different. We witness it. We witness the media lying. But future generations are going to look back at the archives and they'll be like, they were always right. See, Washington Post wrote, Tom Cotton is correct about lab leak theory. That's what the headline says now. And they rewrite the story. Why change it? Why not just put, like, you know, The Guardian does this. A thing up here says this article is three years old. Right. Yes. Yeah. I actually like that. Yeah, even though I don't good. like The Guardian. That's right. <laughs> but I, I actually like that they put that up because even if it's, it's one of the things where, you know, someone will, someone will do this on Twitter to get retweets sometimes um, where they'll post like an old article, but they'll make it seem as if it's breaking. I hate that. And it's something. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and then it starts getting shared a lot. 
well, and I want, I don't know if Guardian was thinking about this but, and the sort of the social media interplay where people only read headlines anymore um, because that's what's happening more and more is that when you do click it the first time that it'll show, hey, just so you know, big blinking letters, this thing is several years old, this information could be out of date. And by the way, that's okay. Yeah. Because things change in life, right? You know, stories have a beginning, middle, and end. Sometimes they keep going. Sometimes you get the MCU and there is no story. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> oh, um, we got jokes, folks. We got jokes. And um, or you get the Simpsons where it just kind of like trails off into oh, yeah. like the oblivion. But, you know, it it allows you to sort of understand this. And this is a plot in actually a lot of movies where you're, you're going through the microfiche and you're understanding, oh, so this, this happened here and then this happened and then you're able to weave the narrative together. Well, if you don't have that, then how do you figure out anything? What I really love about this media phenomenon is that there are a lot of organizations that will do an aggregation of, say, the AP or Reuters. Right. And so it'll just say like Yahoo News and then it'll say New York Post. I, f- I find this all the time because Yahoo News will pick up a lot of yeah, stories. Yeah, Yahoo News is really weird like that. And that because they have some, some that are, ex- that are internal, but a lot that are from somewhere else. Yeah. And it'll just say New York Post. So what's funny is the New York Post will put out a story and then issue a correction. And Yahoo News right, will run the right. uncorrected, the, the, the false version. And they both simultaneously, simultaneously exist as certifiable, Credible organizations for Wikipedia's uh, editors and NewsGuard certified. So you can literally just pick which narrative works best for you, I suppose. What happens then? Choose your own reality. Well, as we know, people choose news, which confirms their bias. Yep. So the conservatives will find the corrected piece and go, oh, right there. And they'll post it on Facebook. And the Democrat liberals and those and the leftists will be like, oh, right there. The Yahoo version, they'll, they'll post it. And now you have two versions of the same story. I'll, I'll tell you what, though, man. It really does feel like... Uh, there was an article written in uh, AM Great, uh, American Greatness by um, – man, I'm forgetting the guy's name. But uh, he, he writes that the Democrats have already seceded from the union, talking about this, the, the crazy things they're doing. They don't believe in the history of this country. They don't believe in the rule of law. They've intervened in, in, the, in the Chauvin trial, demanding violence. Right. Clearly, they're not working on the same capacity as we are. And I look at that and I'm did like – By the way, did you see Chauvin? He only he, – he said, I only want – you know, if I want a new trial, number one – but number two, I should only get probation yeah. because the system is completely broken. Yep. Well, so this is interesting. I remember the Sondland hearing, probably the most important example of what's happened to this country. I was, uh, I, I can't remember where the image is, is from, but there's, uh, I think it was at the gym. And there's two TVs side by side. There's Fox News and there's like ABC. This yes. is the first impeachment. Yeah. Uh, mm, this was Ukraine Gate. Yeah. So, well, that, that, that was the first impeachment. Yeah, yeah. So one that we don't even talk about it anymore. Sondland actually was the said, second one. We don't. Donald Trump either. told me no quid pro quo. Right. But I kind of felt like there was one. So Fox News, the Chiron says, Sondland quote Trump said no quid pro quo. Right. On the TV to the left of it, Sondland confirms quid pro quo. How can we function as a country when people are like Fox News is lying? It's fake news. I'm like, but they quoted the guy. They quoted Sondland. What he was saying. And then they're like, but ABC News, they, they, they get to the truth. And then conservatives look at it and they're like, that's a quote. If you can take one sentence and turn it into two completely opposite news stories, and it results in people at each other's throats, mass conflict in the streets, riots, I don't see how we come back from that.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Well, and the, and the problem is, and it's something that, you know, you've talked about a ton, but I think we've all experienced it, where so many of these outlets have gotten away from, hey, and we're not going to be arbiters of truth. We're going to be arbiters of narrative because we're chasing an audience. Have you chasing clicks? Have you seen the Project Veritas deposition of Lauren Windsor? No, I haven't seen that. So I don't know the full context. It's just one of the clips I saw from from James O'Keefe. They they put out talking about you know suing the New York Times and all that. Right. And they asked this woman, and I, I may I may be getting this wrong, so just double check and go watch the video. But they said something James like, will "Sue us all if we get it wrong." No, they <laughs> no, it's, but but uh, the, the the lawyer is asked uh, asks the lawyer asks this woman, "Why didn't you include this video?" in what you were producing. And she just like shrugs and goes, because it wasn't necessary for the narrative we were trying to produce. And I I hear that and I'm like, the narrative you are trying to produce. That's crazy. Well, you talk to, you can figure this out if you go to any journalism school, right? And talk to any student there, you know, we should get like Fleckus or somebody or Campus Reform to do one of these, you know, sort of man on the street interviews with with journalism school. Uh, students and people studying that major, if, if they have any, you know, if they go back to campus learning and ask the and ask the question then again of why why are you going to journalism school? Why do you want to be a journalist? The answer I guarantee you ninety percent because I want to change the world because yeah. I want to change the world mm-hmm. because I, I want the world to be a better place. I want this. I want that for the world and I want that the power of journalism to get me there. Okay, great, but that's not journalism. No, that's activism. That's that's not. It's like that uh, you saw that woman from the AP who got fired, right. the, the pro Palestinian woman. Oh yeah. So this woman gets hired by the AP, then there's like she she starts complaining. There's a right wing smear campaign. And not, not just pro Palestinian, by the way. I mean, she was like the pro Hamas in some cases, like anti Israel. Yeah, yeah. very. Uh, but but for for me even right, I'm 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 not gonna even play the political argument. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you why she should have been fired. Period. So whether or not you want to get into her politics or anything like that, there's one simple fact: she gets hired by the Associated Press. There's a bunch of people complaining. She's she's pro Palestine. She's anti Israel. And the, they, they, uh, she argues these were past tweets, and the left says they're old tweets. It shouldn't matter. I said, why does she want to be a journalist when she is an advocate for one side of a conflict? What was the point of her trying to get that job? The AP was right to fire her, and they should have fired. They should have never hired her. Someone comes to me and says, "Hey, I'd like to report on the southern border crisis." I'd be like, "I'm down. We could use some reporting." And then I see in their Twitter, it's all just vitriol about Trump and, you know, and, and the kids in cages, I'm going to be like, I don't think you're actually going to report on this. If I want to hire an activist to do advocacy, I will. I want to see a report from someone who's like dry and says, I spoke with the the president's administration. You know, Tom Homan said X, Y, and Z, though the activist organizations say A, B, and C. I'll be like, okay, that's reporting. Instead, what's happening is activists are trying to get jobs at news organizations. They've succeeded greatly. And now that she got fired because she's an activist, and the AP said she tweeted after the fact. I looked at her. I looked at her current tweets. Yeah, they're very. She's retweeting people who are very pro Palestine. Like, how can anyone expect to get legitimate news from someone who is advocating for an outcome in the conflict? They're, she's going to tell you bad information. But the activists are claiming it's free speech under attack, and it's a right wing smear campaign because they are subversive and trying to inject activists into media because they know. 
you control the narrative, you control what people have access to. If they don't know the truth, they can't fathom the truth. If the only thing they hear is your propaganda, they will side with you. They've been doing it for a long time, and it's working. It was one of the times they failed, and they only failed. Now, I don't even think they failed because of Ben Shapiro. They're like, it's Ben Shapiro's fault. You know, he was smearing this journalist. Like, oh, well, I mean, the AP said it was unanimous. They looked at her tweets and said, nah, you, you, you can't work here. You can't do that. And, and the, the real question is, of course, you know, why did that not come up in the review process right. and the hiring? Right, right? So why, maybe you're going to hire that person and not say, hey, what did they put on social media? Did we're going to talk about a specific issue? We want you to report on this. What's your past work on that? You know, let's let's see. Let's let's see your reel. You know, if I'm if I'm getting someone in, you know, um, you know, in terms of videos, like, hey, let me, let me see your reel. Let me see your sizzle reel. Right. What, what, what do you got? What do you got for me? Oh, OK. So you're you're completely in the tank for this one side. Got Think it. about how, in my opinion, you'd have to be really dumb to even consider doing this. Let's say this person who is, you know, anti-Israel, pro-Palestine says, I want to be a journalist and I'm going to go and, and I'm going to report from this place. It's like, what do you think is going to happen if some of these like very strong results of the other side get wind of your reporting? You got, you got AP says, we'd like you to go and interview this Zionist extremist really out there guy street you know group of people they're going through the streets and they're they're angry and crazy and then this journalist is going to show up and they're going to be like we looked at your we looked at your twitter history you you think that you're going to engage in act in 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 propagandizing for one side of a conflict and be able to go and interview the other side they're going to be like you're you're clearly not my friend first of all you can't get the interview so even if it was just activism but let alone the fact that you might actually be perceived as a belligerent like actually coming to do them harm. Now, that's mostly true of Antifa and what we've seen in New York and stuff. It's typically not the Israeli groups, the, the pro-Israel groups that are going around attacking people. So I'll make sure that's clear. But you can't expect to do an interview at all. If if if, if a journalist shows up and tries to interview someone on the right. Well, no, I, I, I you know, and, and shameless book plug, but like I, I just did the Antifa book. It just came out, AntifaBook.com. But we get into this where uh, Julio Rojas um, from Town Hall, where he would go and He's at these events and just trying to be there as media. And he's like, I want to just interview people who are part of Antifa, who are trying to, you know, I did this myself in 2017. Andy No has gone out there. Um, you know, hope everything's okay with Andy right now. Of course, know that, you know, he's got a situation. But was that him? Uh, I don't know for sure if that was him. And, but. He hasn't we, tweeted since. We, we, it reportedly, there's a situation. Put it that way. Yeah. Just regardless, hope he's safe. Um, you know, I pray for the guy. And but you know that these these Antifa groups, they will get if they see you filming, regardless of who you are, unless they know. Right, this is something that came up when I was in Chaz. And if they don't recognize you and they know you by sight, or they you know they've kind of seen you around the scene before, they you know have some kind of an idea of you, or or most likely they've been following you on social media, and so you're sort of an approved documenter. They will get in your face. They will put up umbrellas. They will attack you. They will assault you. They will milkshake you. They will you know try to push you down concrete steps like they did to me at the Lincoln Statue uh, last year. So if you are identified as someone who's oh, no, you know, seen as a conservative or even someone who's just not on our team, right, you are pushed out. You are not allowed to do anything with this. And this is actually they handed. So with Julio in his situation, this is in D.C., I believe 
They actually handed him a list of if you are going to cover us, you have to follow all of these rules. You can't you can't you can't film something where uh, someone's committing a crime. You can't film anyone's faces if their mask comes off. Uh, you can't film if anyone has their phone out. Any of these different things that could possibly identify them, right? And they are setting these. And so the question then becomes: If you are someone who considers yourself a journalist and you're going in and embedding or at least getting close to these events, are you following those rules? And if you're doing so, then are you taking their side? Of course. And you're yes, you're, you're you working for them. You're you're licking their feet. Let me. I'll tell you a story. I went to Boston, and there was a right wing pro right wing thing. I think it was like 2018, and there was a, a left wing counter Antifa group shows up. The first thing I have to point out: what were the right wing individuals holding? They were all holding some kind of object. They were holding shields. What were the Antifa people holding? What do you think? Two by fours, clubs, crowbars, yeah. bats, two yeah. by fours. And so I'm like, clearly someone's come here to fight and beat people, and clearly someone's here uh, seeking to defend themselves. But something interesting happened. There was a, 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 an individual who looked like a lefty, but was a journalist, taking pictures of both sides, but was wearing like some like you know LGBT pride stuff. Right. And they went over to uh, take photos of the right wing group. Some guy, a couple of guys on the right, started screaming, you know, "F you, Antifa." And the three percenters who were there immediately ran up and stopped the right wing guys and told them to shut up, back off, and let them take photos. Really? Yeah. There was there were several periods where the right were trying to get rowdy, and the three percenters immediately told them to back off and were screaming at them. So the three percenter guys that were there were were just wearing like they didn't have any weapons. They were wearing like some kind of light tactical gear, but didn't really have much with them. And they were telling people on the right to chill out, back up, get away. So when someone from the left would come over, they would immediately turn around and tell the right to chill out. Well, I think that was the right move because I'd imagine these guys on the right would pummel one of these Antifa guys pretty bad. They were by themselves walking over. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So what do I see when I when when I walk over to the Antifa side? And I I'm not dressed like a right wing guy. I get I get a guy swinging at me. He he hits my phone a couple times, tries getting my face, just tells me to yeah. hit him. And that that's the difference between what happens when you go and try and report on these things. The people on the right, I can walk I can walk into you know I go back to Occupy Wall Street era. I show up at CPAC. It was like 2012 CPAC. And I'm walking around and literally nothing. No problems. Nothing happens. People are like, how's it going? Have a nice day. That's it. You show up to one of these Occupy protests. Even when I was down there and half the people liked me, I still had Antifa attacking me. I was physically attacked three times in New York during Occupy Wall Street proper. Physically attacked by these people. And they supposedly liked me. So why would, why would a journalist want to be involved in that? You have to basically just tell them you have to say whatever they want you to say. So you're not really doing reporting. Well, so we got, I get into this a little bit in my Chaz chapter as well, because when we, when we talked about the journalistic failures that were going on, and actually Chief Carmen Best, who was this, the police chief that resigned in, in the wake, Seattle. In, in Seattle in the wake of all this, um, and has said that it was like a disinformation campaign, because here's what would happen is the dynamic was the media would go there, most of the mainstream media would go during the, including Fox News, would go there during the day, right? They would set up, they would have their huge cameras, their huge lights, they would do a hit. And, you know, during that time, you get like the day trippers, you get tourists, you get people just there with their kids walking around. And it is sort of generally a sociable atmosphere. You know, people, the, you know, drugs are kind of, you know, freely going around. There's no police. Remember, that was the whole thing. There was no police for 12 blocks. So... Then at night, all of those reporters would leave and they would go back to their hotels or go to the bar and drink craft beer or whatever. They'd leave. 
that's when all of the violence was going on. That's when the black blocks would really start coming out in force. That's when you actually saw criminal gang elements that had nothing to do with the social justice or Antifa aspects of this, but would come in because, hey, there's no cops here, so we can go commit crimes and we can go do deals where we don't have to worry about being caught. That's also where you then got those shootings. There were five shootings on four separate occasions. All throughout Chaz happened right after I left, and I said, this is going to be a bubbling cauldron of violence. I said that, you know, as we were walking out, I pulled my mask off and we kind of did like a live stream saying, you know, this is going to get bad. Jenny Durkin, who was the mayor, now is not running again, by the way, in Seattle, because I think we know what happened there. Um, It's you had people dying. You had people being shot. You had people being killed because and reportedly this the investigation is still open. But a lot of those early reports were that it was the Chad security, the John Brown Gun Club, that had actually been involved in some of these shootings because they were had this paranoid belief that and they were very specific about this, that the KKK was about to show up and raid Chaz. Not the Boogaloo Boys, not Proud Boys. Not I mean, they knew who the Proud Boys were, but they they were all certain that the KKK of Seattle, which apparently they think is a thing, I, I've never heard or seen anything. We got we got we got to stop using we got to stop using their words. It what wasn't it wasn't Chaz security. It was terroristic insurgents. Precisely. So the, what, what we often see with these conflicts is that the left will say it's uh, George Floyd Square. And then what happens is the media shows up and they film the peaceful inhabitants at George Floyd Square, except for, you know, a couple of weeks ago when 30 gunshots ring out in the report. When it was drive by shooting square. Well, exactly. And so we keep referring to these things the way they demand they be referred to. Well, this is why with the whole Chaz Chop thing, right? So they realized very early on that Chaz was really, really bad branding in their part, right? Yep. Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. And the, the minute that media narrative got out and people said, wait, what do you mean you've declared yourselves autonomous? You're autonomous from the United States, your own country. Within a couple of days, they get up. No, no, we're, we're just kidding. We're actually the chop. We're just it's just an occupied protest. We're trying to bring back some of that get goodwill yep. from, you know, Zuccotti Park and the original Occupy. No, no, no. But what did what did conservatives do? A lot of conservatives adopted chop. I never did. I it's wouldn't even Chaz call it all Chaz. the way through. I wouldn't even call it that. What did you call it? A no go zone. It was a no-go zone. That's it. This was a this was of a, a, a far-left extremist no-go zone. You look up the definition of a no-go zone. Look at the standard colloquial understanding. It means a place where the police are reticent to go, or, or they, they, the, the medical professionals, uh, EMS, police, they don't want to go there because it's too dangerous. Individuals only enter with great personal risk. That's exactly what these places are. So we actually tracked one of the guys who was a member of this, John, or at least suited up to join the John Brown Gun Club in Chaz. And uh, Daniel Allen Baker, this is a guy who was later arrested early 2021 down in Tallahassee, Florida. Why? Because he was planning a, a left wing armed action at the at the Florida court. Or excuse me, Florida Capitol. Right. Daniel Allen Baker. Mm. He goes out there, travels from Florida to Chaz to create to be this sort of militia security group. Where did he have his training? He's one of these Antifa guys that actually went to Syria to join the battlefield forces of wow. the YPG, this is the Kurdish group that's out there. They're tied to the PKK, who are terrorist designated group. He's actually out there on the battlefield, but of course, because they were fighting ISIS at the time and you know, sort of more infighting for the Kurdish areas, you get all these stories in Rolling Stone. He's actually in one of the Vice documentaries from Syria talking about how great it is that these these left wing, um, just true believers are out here fighting for something, fighting for their own land. 
right? It was almost sort of like they're trying to create this stateless space up there in northeast Syria. He comes back, has the training from the battlefield, has the TTPs. He goes up there in Chaz, and we've got these these quotes from him. We've got tweets from him, and he's saying, look, if we really want to have an autonomous zone, we've got to take this to the next level. We need, we need more guns. We need explosives. We need all sorts of things. I'm quoting him, by the way. Um, wow. And we need to take this to the next level because eventually the police are just going to come in here and shut this down. But God, he was really pushing them to go forward. Now, of course, we know that didn't happen. But that very same guy claims, he claims, uh, that he was one of the medics involved in one of these shootings. The question is, of course, was he there as a medic or was he there as something else? Or uh, one of the people that stripped all the evidence out of the vehicle when they pumped it full of hundreds of rounds, killing two teenagers. Precisely. So the, uh, kill, they killed one that time. The other one survived. The other one survived. Yeah. And now there's, I think, a couple lawsuits oh, over yeah. uh, these people who were killed. The, the parents are blaming the city. I mean, the city could have come in and swept it all up. But these, the, these, these Democrat leaders, they're, it, it, they favor this stuff. Right. And it is it does kind of create the moral question of, you know, do the people of the city now do they deserve it? No, obviously not. And this is why I keep telling people just get out of cities. You just you just need to be out of cities for a while, because a lot of the people in the cities, you look at places like I'm I'm from the Philadelphia area originally. uh, They just reelected the D.A. who's like, let's let's not prosecute people. Let's let people out of jail. uh, Larry Krasner. So he just won the primary handily, handily won the primary there. So they are voting for this kind of stuff. St. Louis, same situation, right? St. Louis, which is now one of the murder capitals in terms of homicide rate wow. of the United St. Louis, right? Who, who would have thought, right? Mm-hmm. That that would have been, you know, Ferguson. I know you were at Ferguson. Um, and so if they're voting for this again and again, right, the question is, is, is this what they want? Let me ask you a question. That uh, so, so Jack just mentioned there was a guy... In, uh, this was the, the Seattle no-go zone with the terroristic insurgents of the far left, and he was talking about how they wanted to escalate things, but it never happened. This guy who wanted violence and explosives, was he prosecuted? Was he locked up? Did the feds come and, and, and arrest him? They put out his photo and say, please help us stop this dangerous terrorist? Uh, yes, but not for that. Not until much, much, much later when he said that he was going to do something at the Tallahassee capital in Florida in 2021 for all of his activity again going to the Middle East and training with a terrorist designated group going to Chaz being involved in all this stuff not prosecuted wait, wait, for hold, any of it just, just, so, so, so here's a guy far leftist they didn't care about his, his, his goings on in, in Seattle complete impunity uh, there were a lot of other people has anybody been arrested over the murders no I got a story for ABC News Prosecutors drop case against a man charged in Capitol Riot. Federal prosecutors have dropped the criminal case against a New York man who was accused of participating in the riot at the U.S. Capitol. The FBI went and arrested a man because, my understanding is a paid informant, this told the FBI he was in the Capitol, and they said, good enough for us. Went, arrested him. So Turns out he wasn't. Phone evidence apparently proves he wasn't. They never had evidence. Yet they're going to go and track this guy down on the word of some random nobody. So, but these Antifa extremists, nothing. On this one, I, did you actually pull up the charging documents on that? No. Oh, so I actually went into that earlier today, and I was looking at it first as a story for human events. Um, we're, we're still probably going to do it, but I want to I want to give it do it justice. But uh, since you brought it up, I'll mention <laughs> it. This paid informant sounds like and again it's it, they're very vague about it because they're ma- they're trying very hard to make sure that you know they're not revealing their source on this 
he was in a Facebook group chat and it appears that he was in the group chat prior to January 6th, that he was already there. So just taking that information as it is, you're looking at a capability, you're looking at a tactic the FBI is using. They are paying people to go into Facebook group chats and keep track of what's going on in there. Yep. And, and so the question then becomes, as you're looking through their narrative, again, we're, they're not showing the actual messages in this chat because I think that might reveal who it is. They're just referring to the messages. So it becomes very hard to tell whether the guy they're talking about is the one who actually went in or whether it's somebody else who was in the group chat. Because even I remember having been, you know, in, in the Capitol on, not, excuse me, not in the Capitol, in DC on January 6th. Um, but being in that area, I was across the street at the one of news studios cell service was down, right? You could not get access anywhere. So it would be very, uh, very interesting for me to, to hear that somebody was in the Capitol and able to post into a Facebook group chat in real time, right? Right. That almost to me makes it sound like he wasn't in the Capitol because I was having to make phone calls from the side of the street to people who were outside the area with access to be able to tell me what was actually happening inside. This is not the first time this has happened. We had the story of the woman in Alaska. Yep. She she posted a photo outside wearing. But that was an informant. That was that was something else. That was the feds just being like, we got her and then arresting the wrong person. No, that was if you looked into that, that wasn't the first incident that she was involved in. If you look in terms of the timeline of when she came across the radar, she was involved in a mask dispute with Alaska Airlines. Right. Right. And And that's when the airline employee. It seems like, well, we don't know for sure, but it seemed like it was the airline employee then thinks, I want to do something about this woman. I'm very upset at her. So then goes onto FBI's list of the faces that are pointed out and that, that have all been listed somewhere and said, yeah, you look kind of like that one. And, um, we're going to, and so I'm going to send this to the FBI and say that you are definitely that person. And so the FBI says, Hey, we've got the word of an employee. They've identified you. This is, this is the person we're coming. And they raided her house on all this. Now, by the way, going back to, you know, I'm not going to say circle back. (laughs) <laughs> not, not gonna, not gonna do that. Not gonna use that phrase. Uh, we don't use that anymore. That's Thanks, for Jen Uh, thank you, Jen. We love you so much. Um, but no, uh, when it comes to Antifa, when it comes to these no-go zones, when it comes to the anti-fascist, anarchist terrorism, this is never done, right? We, we, we see their faces so many times. We see the live streams. I, this I, is never done. I gotta argue with you. You call them anarchists. They're not anarchists. Well, they're anarcho-communists. They're not anarcho-communists. They're authoritarian. They're tankies. They're authoritarian communists. You get a swath of both. Yeah, but but uh, uh, true anarchy it means without authority. Right. So left anarchists are like hippies sitting down stoned and just not fighting. If you if you've actually ever seen like I'm sure you know ANCAPs. Yeah, of course. They have the non-aggression principle. That's a much more well-defined ideology. Uh, libertarians and ANCAPs. You know, it's the free market. Don't aggress on me. The actual lefty anarchists, because I knew a bunch at, at Occupy, are, were absolutely opposed to fighting with cops, being confrontational. These are the people that would like sit in circles in the street and like sing Kumbaya. Because they also agreed with you can't assert force over someone else. That's a form of authority. What happens is you get these authoritarian communists and, you know, there's, 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 there's varying degrees of authoritarian between them. The tankies up in the far left of the quadrant who are like, take over, kill everyone who opposes right, us. Right, right. But then you have some who are like, we'll take it by force. It's the only way. None of those people believe in a system without authority. They believe they are the authority. They believe they have, they, they are the ones who have the moral authority to determine what is and, 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 and isn't. And they will use physical violence against you, which is the epitome of exerting authority against another person. 
They do, however, use the word anarchy to describe themselves. However, to disguise it. What, what if they're fighting fascism? No, 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 no. Because this is, not. because this is, no, but I'm saying this is what they use as sort of the justification in many of these cases. This goes back to the original Antifa in Weimar Germany that they're not anarchists. The system is fascism. The, uh, the police are fascism. The military is fascism. Banks are fascism. The church is fascism. Those Tim were, Pool is fascism. Those were communists. YouTube is anti-fascists. They specifically called themselves communists. Well, this is why I say anarcho-communists. But the, the, the actual anarcho-communists, like, they're lying to you, basically. Oh, what, no, what, I agree with that. Yeah, they're definitely what, lying. So, yeah, so I, the reason I, 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 I want to, I always try to clarify on what anarchy is because if these people truly believe uh, anarcho-communism is hippies on a farm, that's it. It doesn't scale up. There's no, you know, 10,000 member, you know, a citizen city that's anarcho-communistic. It's impossible. So what ends up happening is the more a, a, a left anarchist wants to grow their society, the more authoritarian they naturally become. They call themselves anarchists often because they're trying to recruit people into believing they're the peaceful ones who want to empower you, but they're lying. So I don't like using their language. Some animals are more equal than other animals. Like if, if you talk to uh, like Michael Malice, you sure. know, he's a huge fan of, 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 of anarchy and anarchism, and he'll tell you what it actually is. Yeah, I actually um, – so I just – I got his book as well, where I, I think it's actually a it's like essays on anarchism, but it's it's like a compilation. So yes. he wrote some of it right. and then it's other essays. And so we actually cover some similar topics. So we both talk about Leon Cholgosh, who was the anarchist that killed McKinley. Um, we talk Emma Goldman comes up in both. Now, obviously, his ha is a much more in-depth understanding just of anarchism. But it's interesting that we are both covering the same thing, but I think from different perspectives. Yeah, I, I view it like, you know, I've had long. So that's just one chapter for me. Yeah, yeah. I've had I've had long discussions with a lot of people from like Occupy Wall Street and the leftists. And I'm like, you know, how do you define authority? Right. And they typically will say, you know, like the people who control the system, the top of the hierarchy, blah, blah, blah. And then we, we, we inevitably, get, inevitably get down to the philosophy of so how— it isn't occupying a form of authority, though. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Uh, it, it depends. It depends on so, – so obviously you have the power principle that exists in the, in the woke left. It depends who right. you're talking to. But they typically will say that you know, authority is you know, the people who control the system and determine you know, what is or isn't. And I say, how do they control that system? They say, with the police state, with violence and with force. And I say, oh, okay. So the exertion of physical force against another person to make them right. do what you want, that's authority. And they were like, yes. And I said, so when you go out and smash windows and start fires and beat people, what's the difference? You just don't have the same level of power they do, but you certainly seem to want it and so, believe in it. So this came up one night when we were at chat, this, this whole like Lord of the Flies Hobbesian reality where there was a guy who was accused of theft. Um, I remember this. And so, you know, not to go through that, because, I mean, there was a whole thing. It was like, a, you know, he broke into a car dealership and he's he was essentially stealing keys. He was accused of stealing keys as well as a jacket. He's, they, he gets held by the owner. Then they chase him out. Then the whole 
sort of bulk of people hear about this, they tear down the street. My brother and I are standing right there as this is all going on. We were just like interviewing some guy when it, when we turn and the mob is just charging up the street at us. And, and, you know, brother looks at me, what do we do? I said, start running, I guess, you know, see what's <laughs> going on. Keep filming. Right. And, and so we do, we keep filming. They knock down the fence, they get in, the guy bolts, he gets away. But and this guy being who he is, he comes back later trying to like act as if he's part of the group like hey guys what's going on and meanwhile the son of the dealer owner is is right there saying hey you're you're wearing my dad's jacket you're you're clearly the guy who who just <laughs> tried just to rob, the jacket rob from the like, yeah you know the um retired nypd guy in, in a class i was in once said you know in the intel community was said like you know most of the people that that you know resort to crime aren't necessarily the smartest people right. to begin with so you know, and he was like trying to get like sell people chips out of a bag, it, it's like a backpack. All so right. they so they start chasing him again. Once they identify him, they grab him, they hold him up, and Ra- so Raz, right, sort of the Raz Simone, the warlord Raz, right, is there at this point. He he cocks and locks right in front of me and starts running down the street after this guy with the son of uh, the car dealer the, who has an AR-15 and kit. They're chasing this guy. They grip him up. They have him up on the hood of a car and then the question comes right you know open your bag and and you know in the back of my head i'm thinking on whose authority right right on whose authority do i open this the bag? force they exert right. the, over the others. authority of force they exert over others this is this is where warlords come from this is lord of the flies this is hobbs nasty life is nasty british and short right you he wins every time because so, they had to resort to that immediately so there are a lot of people who might say they're anarchists or whatever. They wear all black. They go and smash things. But it's also important to realize some of these people don't have a political ideology. You know, we, we, we assume if they're there with Antifa, then they must share their beliefs. A lot of them are just smashing for the sake of smashing. And if you talk to them, they won't tell, they won't understand any concept of, of political philosophy or any well, real so, ideology. So we get into this a little bit in the book as well. And I, and I talk about... Um, Eric Hoffer, who's sort of the, you know, the working class philosopher of the 1950s, who wrote this book called True Believers. And he's talking about this, this situation, you know, it, when you have this sort of mass of, you know, basically disenfranchised youth, uh, typically male, who are denied meaningful work, who are denied meaningful access to society, or at least the perception of denied meaningful access to society, right, you get all these tensions that will inherently bubble up and they will go go into something and in some cases they know it go they go into religion in some cases they'll go into uh you know this you know you could look at stuff that's going on right now obviously hopper didn't talk about this but like keto or crossfit or some of these different things but for other people you know they want to just be the guys who are going out drinking and getting into fights and so here's the thing if you're looking at the situation now and even you know not consciously making this decision but if the media is telling you, well, if you join this drinking and fighting group, you'll be prosecuted. But if you join this one, you'll be Free to go. celebrated, applauded. And if something happens, you know, you'll either get a slap on the wrist or the charges will be dropped. Which one are you going to join? That's why we see that there was that video out of Portland where some random kid runs up and punts a guy in the head. That kid doesn't have a political ideology. That, that guy can't tell you anything about. Oh, that's that's like, um, 2016, right? No, 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 no. This was uh, uh, the punt in the head, I think, was 2018. Oh, okay. Yeah, tw- I'm pretty sure it was 2018. A guy is running from the group of Antifa, and then he f- they push him, he falls, and the kid runs up, and then Folk just punts his head. That kid doesn't believe in anything. Most of those people there, the mob that chases random people doesn't believe in anything. So these are just useful idiots, just bodies for authoritarian communists, the people who are willing to use violence to get their way. Because I'll put it this way. 
the people you've you've met from Antifa on a polit- on a pol- political ideology, do they believe in respecting your right to liberty? Absolutely not. Right. They believe that they should dictate how you live and how everyone else should live. Libertarian left. Hey, man, me and my friends are going to do our thing and, and cooperate and you do your thing. It doesn't scale. You can't have 10,000. No, you can't. But you well, can. So is, you can have prob- a free market. A, a libertarian right would can scale up infinitely. So this is this is the problem that that Lenin ran into in the Soviet Union. And you see, like, I'm, I'm looking for this Bolshevik revolution. I'm looking for this worker revolution. What is wrong with these workers? They're just not revolting. I don't understand. <laughs> why won't these? Why do they just keep going to their jobs and and working? It's, uh, we need to come up with. Well, well, perhaps you know the theory can't be wrong. It's just we're just missing an element. Yes, that's what it is. We need a. You know, a group to lead the workers. Yes, that's what it is. And we'll call it the, uh, of course, the revolutionary vanguard. We'll be the, and that'll be us, of course, because we're not stuck in these menial jobs. Well, we will be the vanguard to, to lead the workers in their uprising again to their best uses because we know what's best for them. That's, yep. and that's Len. That's where, that's where it becomes, goes from Marxism to Marxist Leninism. So Lenin adds this idea of, the vanguard of the proletariat, and that becomes the Bolsheviks. Let's, let's talk about the, the political realities of these leftists. Did you see that OK Boomer girl apparently has a $2 million apartment in New York? Doesn't surprise me. So we actually have a beautiful art just behind Jack of OK, okay, oh, there she okay is. Boomer yeah. Girl. It's a N- Nico, right? Nico something? Yeah, 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 Nico, yeah. Uh, Nico Lil. Yeah, Being, yeah. Uh, so this is art yeah. from G Prime Nika. 85. Nika. Uh, so this is Joe Biden as a gigantic um, Junji Ito style monster <laughs> eating. OK, Boomer Girl. Uh, so she's this wearing a shirt that says tax the rich. Apparently she lives in a two million dollar apartment. Congratulations on all your wealth and success. Just don't pretend that you're a leftist when you are the bourgeoisie. But Again, uh, the vanguard of the proletariat. Right, right, right. We also have this story that I want I want to I want to break down. We're getting back to the good old days, Jack, where we used to make fun of AOC all the time. It was like she's the biggest news. Right. We have this story from the Daily Mail. Quote, sell your seventy thousand dollar Tesla. Critics slam Learjet liberal AOC for not helping her grandmother after she posted photos of her Puerto Rican home ravaged by Hurricane Maria and blamed Trump. So here's what we know about AOC. First first of all, I I am not happy to see that her grandmother is living in in terrible conditions because of the hurricane. It devastated Puerto Rico. I'd love to be able to to help out. There's a lot of people doing great work. We should do like a we should do like (laughs) a a fundraiser. Give send go for for AOC's grandma. Her in in her abuela, right? Her abuela in in Puerto Rico. Yeah, I, I normally I would say yes, but I kind of agree with the critics. I'm not going to assume AOC bought a Tesla in cash. People like people seem to think that you know this Nico woman. She has a two million dollar apartment. She doesn't have $2 million in cash. She got a mortgage. All right. So she puts down, it's, it still means she probably had like 20 grand for closing costs. And if she put on like 5%, so she still has a lot of cash. Oh yeah. To buy it. AOC probably put a down well, payment especially on right the car. Now, I mean, right. So a- AOC doesn't have 70 grand. She probably put a down payment. She probably got a, a loan for the car, but she ain't doing too bad. Apparently she, she lives in that really nice luxury uh, hotel in, uh, or I'm sorry, luxury apartment in DC with an infinity pool. We heard that story. So she's gonna she's gonna well, make congressional these... salaries uh, about one hundred seventy five thousand plus. By the way, you get per diem, you get mileage, it's staff it's, salaries. Yes, you're you're doing fine. You're you're doing very well. I have to imagine she makes money elsewhere. She's n- I I doubt she's just sitting on a congressional salary. Well, and we, we already know though that she did have that position with the Justice Dems, and there was that yep. whole sort of like and and this, this was actually something that got investigated. That's why they were sort of disbanded a lot of it because they were trying to run a political committee and a for profit. 
uh, firm, but as both as the justice it was all, feeding each other. It was almost laundering cash, right? So it was I like— I never accuse AOC of laundering cash. That's I, I say almost because I can't make that official sta- assessment because I don't know. But basically one company hires her boyfriend. Right. And then all of a sudden he moves in with AOC in New York. How convenient. Yeah, things like that. But th- this is the perfect exam- example of—it's it's not lib- limousine liberal. They're calling her a Learjet liberal. Well, she's not a liberal. She's a— uh, Socialist? Socialist? What, 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 what would we call that? What's an expensive thing that starts with the letter S? We can make a— Champagne a, socialist? Yeah, that's a shot. that one. You get the alliterate, a little bit of alliteration. Close, close. Chablis. <laughs> Chablis. <laughs> a Chablis socialist. But it's still a shot. I, d- I, dr- I don't drink, but, but total— um, uh, total shout out to Rachel Bovard because I was I uh, she gave a Somalia presentation uh, some, oh Somalia socialist maybe there you go uh, <laughs> Somalia, uh, yes. and and it, I was I was enthralled she just knew everything about it she's apparently been studying it for seven years and I don't drink at all but totally not my thing but I was just really interested in the stories this is uh this is this is what we consistently get I mean we had limousine liberals for a long time. The people saying, oh, climate change, and then they fly in private jets. So climate change, they buy beachfront property. Now you get AOC saying, like, my poor grandmother. And it's like, lady, you got money. I'm not going to pretend AOC is the 1% or well, anything this like is, that. This is uh, Barack Obama's brother in, in, in Africa. Oh, yeah, right, yeah, right, 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 right. That whole thing. Yeah. So this, this is, the, this is the, the, I guess, the consistent uh, message we should expect from these leftists who claim to want to fight for the working class or tax the rich. It's like, dude, they're rich. Do, do, do they think they're working class? Like AOC, when she's she's an educated elite now. She's in Congress. Yeah, if you're, I, and I'm, I've, I've, this is actually something I thought about a lot as I was. So a lot of the the book I I wrote like a year ago. So throughout 2020, I'm writing this. So the, I actually the just Antifa book. Yeah, the Antifa book. But it, I get into all this stuff. I get into socialism, communism, anarchism. I get into all of it, right? And you kind of just use Antifa as the touch point for all of it. And you know, one, and I, so I went back and I've been I was like sort of speed reading it, you know, just to refresh myself and going through it. And, you know, just really thinking about this issue of of the working class and the people who claim to to represent the working class, if you're someone who claims to represent the working class, you're probably not working class. Right. It's it's like never happened. Yep. It it is so incredibly rare because people who are in working class, they're, they're, they're working. They've got their families. They, you know, uh, you know, they're busy. They're, they're, they're living paycheck to paycheck. And we want to. You know, obviously, we want to have a system where people like that can have a family and can have home ownership and don't have to be in, you know, up to their ears in debt, right? But, and they shouldn't need these massive, expansive political movements claiming, you know, some sort of agency of acting in their benefit because you're, you're just not. You're typically either, you're either the new poor or you're someone who's from that sort of upper middle class band of, well, I never really had any meaningful rite of passage. So my, you know, finding myself, finding my mise on my, my center, finding my center is going to be helping those who are less fortunate than I. They don't know it's, how to help themselves, but I do. It's interesting how new classes emerge, right? You had like the, the proletariat and the bourgeoisie. And then you, there's that, that painting. I don't know if you've ever seen it where it's like the workers and then the police. And then, you know, it's like a, a layer and then the, the politicians are on top or whatever. You have the people, one where they're like holding it up. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I've seen that. So you have like AOC, who is certainly not the working class. She is an educated elite, bourgeois. She is wealthy by global standards, especially, and a six-figure salary, nearly 200K. Plus, probably she makes money elsewhere. She's probably over 200,000 a year. She's really close to the 1%. Really close. But she's not. I think 1% is up to like 400 or something, a thousand a year to be 1%. But she's well off. But the more the... the uh, it, it's interesting that there's not just the working class and the, and the landlords anymore or the merchant class. Then it's all of a sudden there's like 
there are middle class people who are also landlords because they own a single property and they rent out part of it. Right. So it's what ends up happening is you get people like AOC who keep looking up. They see the ultra wealthy and they say, as long as I'm not them, I'm the working class. Although I don't think AOC has ever actually produced something. I, her, I'm not, I'm, I, I think to be to be fair, you know, she's now um, uh, she's in her second term as a congresswoman. You don't expect a lot of bills to get passed by someone who's, you know, this 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 new to the to Congress or anything. But what is, what is what is she actually given to society that that's helped? You know, what you I mean? know, I'd love to see that. It, I, I really do think that there's there's sort of this struggle with AOC because he, it, when she first ran, she actually seemed to be quite more populist than she has when she's been in office. You could argue the same about Trump, by the way. Um, but you you wonder if there are issues, and I seem to remember there were a couple times where her and like Matt Gates might have you know tweets that were both in support of the same thing um, in in some of these instances. And you wish that you could see stuff like that going on, where it's like, hey, we you know completely disagree on you know maybe this aspect of foreign conflict or you know certain climate change provisions. Or actually, no, I think it was climate change. Actually, it was a climate change thing where where Matt Gates was on. Um, and you'd love to see something where these, these sort of this new generation of culture warriors is actually finding common ground. And you have to imagine that would trickle down to these device, the divisive street level of some of this stuff or the divisive social media level or the divisive, you know, the school boards and the Facebook groups and everything else where instead of it's, oh, I've got to defeat you. I've got to beat you. I've got to, my team has to win. And so instead of making a team sport out of it, you say, hey, we're all on the same team. And that's called, you know, it's kind of cliche, but that's the United States of America. We all live here. It's not true anymore. Can we do that? No, I, I, I understand I, you I, have a difference of opinion. No, I read that article from American Greatness. I disagree yeah. with it. I think it went a little far, but. I mean, Republicans right now are paid to sit on their hands and watch Democrats ravage the system. Right, so, so even right now, with, with the conversation about conservatives using the language of the left, look at what they're talking about the January 6th commission. Republicans keep going exactly where Democrats want them to go. It reminds me of uh, when I was younger, I was playing a game of chess. I was like 18, and I was playing chess with this guy, and he was laughing, and he said, you can only move where I let you move. Right. And uh, he was right. He was better, at me at, better than me at chess, and he knew... If I go here, he'll, he'll, he'll go here because that's his best, you know, and then he was, he walked me into a checkmate. And then I, you know, had to learn and get better at the game. So you look at what's happening right now. The left comes out and says January 6th insurrection. Meanwhile, we had a year plus two, three, four years of anti extremism. I, I remember watching in Berkeley, an old lady was, was, was standing in, in a park in the, uh, uh, was it MLK park? And Samantha threw an M80 at her, and then she falls backwards. Someone was probably like 60, 70 years old. She probably mm-hmm. got, could have gotten really hurt. And I was like, what is wrong with these people? No commission. No investigation. Not even a commission on COVID. But the Dems come out and say, January 6th commission. And you know what the Republicans do? No, it's political. You know what the Republicans should do? Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. BLM commission. Antifa commission. And then when they say January 6th, Republicans just do not respond at all in any meaningful capacity at all. Like you didn't even hear him say it. Watch Jack say January 6th commission right now. 
Tim, January 6th. We should be investigating Antifa right now. I want to I want to get a bill on the table to investigate Antifa. What do you say, Ian? You're here. All right. <laughs> Although the Democrats wouldn't agree. Stop walking into their room. It's like I'm watching a well, fight. Between all offense and defense, right? It's it's one side is projecting, the other side is deflecting. So the de- the Republicans, and you've seen this again and again with the Republican Party. This is my party, right? Where they will count it as a win if they were able to stop the Democrats from doing X, right? Whatever it is. And you see this interplay again and again with the Republican Party. Well, it's a win because we stopped this. The win because we stopped that. Oh, we, you know, we couldn't get this to stop. They couldn't get this one through. So that was right. Right. No, that's not a win, right? That's 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 stalemate. That's neutral. If you if you're talking World War One trench it's warfare, it's a slow defeat. They are going to win eventually if you allow them to continue to take over every single con- institution of society, every single cultural outlet of society, like has been happening. They are running the table with this because they knew that their policies. If they came out and just told you, you know, early on, say back in the 1990s, hey, this is what we want. This is what we're going to do with America. It never would have flown in uh, terms of public uh, opinion. There's a, a, a this famous quote from a great philosopher. And he said, never fight an alligator underwater. Oh. He was right. <laughs> <laughs> it was Ian. Ian said that. Yeah, that's pretty good. But the, I the, love it. Yeah, it just came out of nowhere. And yeah. we're like, wow, that's a good one. That's uh, actually a good one. But oh, yeah, look. Yeah, don't do that. No. Right. That's what Republicans do. They're going into the territory of the Democrats thinking they're going to win. It's like, bro, you're on their home turf. You got to stand up for something and talk about what the American people want, what your constituents want. But apparently... I guess it wasn't wrong when the Democrats in the media were saying Republicans just want to own the libs. So what do they do? They let the, they say, they say, hey, lib, make an argument. Wrong. Your argument about, about the January 6th commission is wrong. And then the whole conversation, the whole time, that all that anyone hears is storming the Capitol, riot, insurrection. Then you go and ask a leftist about Antifa and they go, what's Antifa? Because Republicans don't talk about it. Right. And so Trump this, did. this is why when, when Joe Biden comes out and says, Antifa, that's just an idea, right? It's he's setting the frame. He's already setting the frame of now you have to say Antifa is not an idea. Antifa is this, this and this. And are they idea? Are they not able? They don't have an organization. They don't have a leader. They don't have a headquarters. You, you see this on the Internet all the time. Every time I tweet about Antifa, they say, where's their headquarters, Jack? Where's their oh, Antifa? You know, where's the, where's the headquarters? Who's the leader? Where's the organization? Do they have ranks? Do they have any of the uniforms? Actually, they do have uniforms. I say, well, they have uniforms. They, have, ranks. They, have, they have logos. They have flags. They may not have uh, stated ranks, but they do have a hierarchy, hierarchy yep. in terms of their, you know, red, green, yellow, in terms of the black blocks. So, yeah, they do actually have all of these things. It's, it's, it's quite simple. You know, when a, when a pit bull bites, pit bull doesn't let go. No. It has now been, what are we going on, five months, and the Democrats will not stop talking about January 6th. And the Republicans, how often have they brought up Minneapolis? Never. Uh, they, they, t- and one, one thing we should actually throw out, you know, today is actually the anniversary of David Dorn. Right. And I, I did not see, and I, you know, maybe I just didn't see it, but I don't remember any of Republican leadership or uh, anyone who's been on the sort of, you know, quote unquote, back to blue side say anything about that. You know, I, I ran the fundraiser for his family when that took place. You know, we did all, we did everything for that. And this was not something where you you had anybody. Today's the one-year anniversary. But when it was the one-year anniversary of George Floyd, that's the only thing the Democrats they flew about. They flew the Black Lives Matter flags at embassies. At embassies. They had that celebrations. Was, that was the story we had out on human events. And the story of David Dorn is that he was a retired police captain who heard an alarm go off at his friend's store and went to go check it out. And someone put a bullet in his chest. Yeah. Wanted to steal a TV. And the film is brutal. The live stream. It live streamed. So, he, yeah, he, he, he ends up dying on Facebook Live. And a guy was, and a guy's yelling like all that for a TV, man. 
Meanwhile, you get the complicated story of George Floyd, which is complicated at the very at the at, at, in, in the in the best case. It's it's absolutely it's hard to break through. David Dorn was a good guy, a, a model citizen, someone we could look up to. And when that, you know, and I, I did get the opportunity to speak with his wife early on and made sure that, you know, we had her blessing, obviously, before we did the fundraiser. So that's walked her at, at length. Um, this is before she came out and spoke at some of the conventions and, and did some of the advocacy work that she's done, which has been fantastic. But, you know, she told us these stories that, you know, he would go out and he would drive by the shop every once in a while. One of the reasons um, that... Uh, he cared about the shop so much. That's actually the place that it had been on his beat when he was when he was a patrol officer, and so he had responded to things there in the past. It had been something that he just sort of came up with in St. Louis, and that's actually the shop. They they run a jewelry shop there as well. That's where he got the engagement ring for his wife. You know what? It's not just uh, it, it's it's not just the Republican politicians. Look at what the left does for George Floyd. Look at what the the, the corporations do for George Floyd. The Republicans should be should be passing a bill saying today should be David Dorn day. They should be putting up David Dorn flags. They should be, they should be doing everything and more the left has done for George Floyd, but for, for, for David Dorn. The problem is the anvil's not hot for them. So if they try to mimic, it's kind of like sh- the, the Democrats no, or whoever no, 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 are shooting no. downhill. If they try that same tactic, no, the no, 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 no. Aren't gonna work. It's, it's, it's not about mimicking them. It's about making your own space, creating your own culture, Making, making, and saying, you know what, Democrats, if you don't want to be involved in the conversation, we don't care because we respect David Dorn and we're sad for his loss. The problem is it's the media that's heating up the whole um, Chauvin, you know. So ignore them. Conservative media keeps responding to the left's narrative. The media comes out and says, here's our story, and the conservatives then respond to it instead of doing their own work. But for, in order for the, 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 Republican politicians to get that done, they would need media presence that would be no. like David Dorn, David Dorn, no, they David Dorn, remember David Dorn, no, and they don't. people would well, be down. That, that being said, though, you know, the question, I think what you're really talking about is critical mass, right? And I think that at this point, there is enough of a critical mass of independent media, which thrives through social media, like this podcast right here, where you do now have this separate space, which you can inject these cultural stories, these icons. David Dorn is an, is, is a, a cultural icon. We got a picture of him in the for, green room. For, you know, I actually saw that. Yeah. I, I someone that someone drew it for you us know, and, and we hung it up. And that's the, as someone who was, an, and everyone who spoke about him, a pillar of his community, you know, got people off the street, in some cases got them into the police force, served the community. That's all he wanted to do. That was his whole life, right? Um, didn't didn't even wake his wife up when he when he went out that night because he knew what was going on in St. Louis and he knew she probably would have said don't go and he knew he was going to go anyway right yeah. this this is the type of per- that's the type of hero right that that I want to teach my boys about that I want to teach my kids about you know you look at David Dorn this is a guy who's a hero right not not LeBron James not you know some of these other celebrities who are out there shooting their mouth off about stuff that they've never even looked into right someone who serves a community who serves others and in this case made the ultimate sacrifice that's a hero think about david dorn's behavior the left is angry about police they say are are brutal or too scared david dorn was a police officer he retired and when he went to that pawn shop did he show up shaking and quivering with a gun shooting wildly at civilians or whatever like the left would claim the cops do no no so he certainly seemed like he was a good cop because when he went to this pawn shop he didn't go in guns ablaze and he wasn't freaking out and he lost his life because someone thought the tv was more valuable so there, there, there's every reason this man should be celebrated by the left, but they don't care. And I think conservatives... By the way, working class. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think too many conservatives have make the mistake of assuming that the left operates on the same moral foundation and the moral framework as they do, and that a sound argument will resonate with these people. No, either they don't care, they relish in the destruction, or they just want power. So when someone like David Dorn loses their life, oh, they're not going to say two words about it. When the Republicans do, what does the media say? They're just trying to, to own the libs by, by doing the same thing and it's not the same thing. We're talking about a system and blah, blah, blah. Right. But so when you're talking about, and this isn't necessarily a moral question in this case, but you were talking about the framework of these things and critical mass. To take it back to the original story that we spoke about at the top of this, the lab leak theory, right? This was something where we were told very early on, you can't talk about this. This is debunked. This is not real. This is not a thing. And yet there was a cadre of independent media that never let go of this. They were a pit bull when it came to that yep. story. They didn't let go of it. And it finally broke through because enough people sat down. And a lot of it has to do with, you know, there's all these sort of like, you know, think pieces now. Well, you know, it really is interesting that it came around at, at this point. It's almost like something happened in going from 2020 into 2021 that we can now talk about it. Right. It's, it is clear like Trump isn't around anymore. And this was this was the pro Trump you know kind of stance at the time. Uh, that he took and you just didn't want to say Trump was right. That's the reason people are talking about it now. But it's also because so many people for the past year and a half would not let this go. They knew the facts were on their side and they were a thorn in the side of this narrative all the way through to the point where, of course, it broke through. And that's why you're seeing now, even in public opinion polls, you're seeing it spiking high 40s. Almost 50 percent are saying, look, I think this came out of that lab. Yeah, there was it was a medium article. That started reigniting the the the. Um, hey, this is Nicholas Wade, so this is yeah, former yeah. the former New York Times science. Couldn't writer. even get it in the mainstream press. Had to write it on Medium, and then finally it breaks through. But it it, it is absolutely. Uh, I I'll, I do think the work of BuzzFeed contributed. I think they knew the foils were coming. You know, uh, um, the, the the Fauci did, and the government did, and many of the journalists were like, these emails are going to get released sooner or later. And I wonder if they were like, we'll release them. And what does BuzzFeed do? Totally positive narrative. Fauci was just fighting to keep, you know, give us a sound, you know, keep, keep control of the situation. And then you read the emails and you're like, ah, oh, this is crazy. But the media's framing of it, CNN, WAPO and, and BuzzFeed, here's the emails leaked and Fauci is a great and good man. So here's, here's the real question. And this gets back to the other American Greatness article you were talking about. If we have, so the divisions in America, yes, there's, there's, there's an urban rural, rural division. I can't talk anymore for some reason. Urban rural. Rural, I'm out here talking in different ways. Yeah. Um, but, um, so we now have a division that can be neighbor to neighbor, right? We can, it, that it doesn't necessarily matter where you are. It matters who you're listening to, what you're listening to. Bro, bro down the street, and there's two houses. Yeah. One that's all rainbows and one that's all Trump. Oh, nice. Next door to each other. Next door to each other, yeah. And that's, you know, and that gets, that reminds me of these, these stories that you hear about when, from the Civil War and they talk about, you know, brother versus brother, father versus son. And you think like, well, I would, I would never turn against my brother. He's my brother. I would never turn against my father. You know, we may disagree when I turn against him. And then you sort of look at some of these divisions now and you say, and, and the look at the way that families have split up over this stuff. I, um, <laughs> I'll, I'll just say it, right? I had people that did in my family that didn't want to come to my wedding because wow. they were convinced, wow. they were convinced that the woman I was marrying was a Russian spy <laughs> because she was born in the Soviet Union. Not, wow. not even Russia. Russophobia. Right? One of the former, you know, the former satellite countries, they Jeez. would call them now. 
but they were convinced because they're MSNBC watchers yep. and they are convinced that that's, that's, that's what was going on. Here's this Trump guy and this immigrant girl from the wrong part of the world. And well, she must be, you know, she must be one of them. And, and I don't say that to like own them or anything. It's sad. It's, I just right. think, I just think the whole situation is that I, I I'd rather have politics be put aside and I just, like to have my family back, right? You know, we yeah. we can talk about Star Wars or something or whatever the latest Superman movie is. Like, I, I Batman versus Robin, which is quite good, actually. <laughs> right on. Good. Well, we should take super chats Let's if you haven't it. already. Give a little tap to that like button; it really helps out. Share the show with your friends and people you know if you think we do a good job. If uh, if you look at the ratings of CNN on YouTube with hundreds of millions, and you're like, I like that CNN has more views than than Timcast IRL <laughs> and other shows like it, including Crowder and Six Six and Hammer. Uh, uh, then by all means, don't share. And then you can, you know, watch CNN and have a good time. But if you think that we should get more views, then uh, we'll need your help. But let's read some Super Chats. And if you want to get your Super Chats in, now's the time. We're going to start reading them. We got DC Pagan says, Rand Paul, 2024, Libertarians must take over the Republican Party. Yeah, what do you think about that? You like Rand? Uh, I, I like Rand, but I, I don't think the Libertarians are going to take over the Republican Party. It's, <laughs> yeah, just, I don't it's think not so. going to happen. No, uh, Dave Smith's cool. People are like, I like Dave Smith. Is, is, I think he's is a great he guy. actually running? I don't think so. No, no I, I think I, I think it's well. He's Babylon V, so I think that's like a that's like Dave a, Smith. Or no, 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 no. I think it's the other Dave. Um, no, I, I think uh, I think basically that the constituency for the Libertarian Party isn't quite what they think it is in terms of the voting blocks. Well, you've seen the meme about the fox. It's like the very beautiful fox has libertarian ideas and then the scraggly yeah right 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 right, right, right. so you know Gary yeah. Johnson. You know, I think, you know, whenever we, we mock politicians on this show and we're like, you know, one, one, one joke I made was like a new project for Elon, a new form of government is called Marsism. It's where you take all of the people as soon as they get elected and put them on the spaceship and then send them to Mars. And that's it. That's literally how the government works. I'm fine so, with that. And then they're just gone. I'm totally fine with never, that. never hear from them again. Um, but we're like, oh, Rand Paul can stay. No, no, Rand Paul yeah, stays. He, he can stay. <laughs> no, I got and and you know I know I'm hard on my libertarians, but I I will throw this out there that libertarians, you're so good on foreign policy. You guys are just so good on that. I love yeah. it. Yeah, there's a lot of Republicans who aren't, and a lot of neocons who decided it's better to be a Democrat because uh, because you were going to lose your war by voting for a a anti-war Republican. Right? Isn't that funny that you had a bunch of these uh, these these neoconservatives who are like all of these policies, literally everything, pro-life, not worth it for me. I just want to blow people up in the Middle East, so I'll be a Democrat instead. Yeah. Sounds like they didn't have a whole lot of principles to begin with. All right. Cristiano says, hey, bruv, not one to defend Biden, but checked footage. And it seems like the unknown soldier ceremony is a change in procedure. Last year, during both Memorial and Veterans Day, Trump did the same thing. All right. Well, there you go. What was that story? Where the Biden didn't lay the wreath. They changed it, I guess. People are saying it was changed for COVID, but I'm like, why would they keep doing it if they're not wearing masks in the procedure? But, you know. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about a lot of the stuff in the bonus segment, so make sure you sign up for TimCast.com. Bonus segment comes up around 11 or so. Make1984Fiction again says, this episode, uh, this episode, this is my $10 bribe to be the first on the list for a TimCast bumper stickers. Also, how do I get a Don't Fight with an Alligator underwater mug? Go to TimCast.com, click store, and the mug is there, and you can get it. And it's, it's the meme of, uh, it's the Drake meme, but it's Ian instead, and he's like, <laughs> alligators underwater, and then alligators on land. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> You, so you would fight them on land. I didn't say that. <laughs> I just I said, don't fight them underwater. Because even then, it's still not probably a great idea. Yeah. Not ideal. I hear All right. Maybe you punch him in the nose or something. OMG Puppy says, Jack, who do you think is behind the demoralization and destabilization of Western societies? 
Active measures by foreign enemies, Soros, Davos, technocrats, domestic leftists, media outrage for profit. Well, so, I mean, you, you've got to look at the, All of the above. you know, you, right. You've got to look at the sort of like the situation as it is or as it was towards the end of the Cold War. I mean, America was the hegemon. America was the great power in the world. And so the question is, if you're someone who wants power, you know, and power, it becomes a zero sum game. If you're in that sort of real politic environment, then you've got to take it from someone. And if, if that's Western civilization, then that's your target. Right on. All right. Kane Marie says, Timcast is the new punk rock. What happened to feel the rage of a new generation? Eric A says, Jack, this is the most important question of the night. How can I get your comic book? Uh, we still have the comic book up. It is at iconiccomics.com. I'm also actually going to be doing my first uh, comic con coming up this summer. Ooh. So we're actually going down to Texas for that. I think it's Temple, Texas. We're doing it uh, in August. So super excited. Um, my comic is up there, Iconic Comics. We have some, we, I believe we have some autographed copies available there. Um, go get the Agent Poso. It's kind of based on my life, but like a very, you know, stylized version <laughs> of it with my wife and, and my son and, and some of my uh, cast of characters. Cassandra's, Cassandra's in it. So, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Uh, and you have this weird silencer suppressor on your, on your gun that makes no oh, sense. Oh man. All, all the, all the gun guys, <laughs> all the gun guys hit me. I didn't draw it. I didn't draw it. <laughs> it's a weird thing. It's cool. Whatever. Uh, did you hear about that punk band that's charging a thousand dollars to I see did, their show? Yeah. Unless you're vaccinated, then it's $18. So there's a funny story. The least punk thing I've ever heard in my yeah, life. Yeah, it's I like think, super actually. pro big pharma, yeah. super pro establishment, and super pro rich people. If you're rich, you're you get to. Go I still see their remember. Show. I still remember. You know, showing my age maybe a little bit, but when Green Day went and performed <laughs> with that. like a John Kerry thing yeah. oh, no, in 2004. Classic. And I was like, I was like, what? Like. Yeah, I don't want to be an American be political idiot. at all. Dude, they performed in 94, 94, and I think their tickets were five bucks. Do you remember that? I saw them in 94. So, I actually so, did so see Green Day wait, wait, in 94. It, yeah. it gets better. One of the fans of this band. I was super band, young. I was super young. Sure. One of, okay. one of, 94 or 95, <laughs> one of those. One of the fans of this band, Teenage Bottle Rocket, apparently wasn't able to get the vaccine because she had just had COVID. And so the doctor told her, it's too soon. You're not going to be able to get it. And so she's like, so now I literally don't get to see the show? That's right. If you're a poor person who was told by your doctor the vaccine, you, you can't get it for some medical reason, and uh, you want to go to the show, you'll be able to. But I can assure you the rich people won't care and won't think twice if they really want to go to that show. Not that they probably would, but if they chose to, I think people should – I think, you know, if there are rich people out there, go do it. The vanguard of the working class. There you the go. The vanguard. Right. All right. This one's serious. Adam Austin says, Tim, I'm, a, I'm an electrician in Northeast Ohio. Copper prices aren't being talked about. Our wire went up almost 300% since January. Wire that was $67 is now almost $140. Wow. Whoa. Early last year, Ian was like, dude, you got to buy a bunch of copper. And I'm talking a bunch, like hundreds. <laughs> it's like mostly worthless. Of it. Mostly up 300%. So, so whatever I, you so put I, into it, you're going to see. So I bought a bunch of copper. But it's actually worth it's do, you, do you buy by the ream or by the, or is it by the spool? Bars. By the I bars. like ingots okay. personally. Ingots. Yeah. Right. Okay. Ingots. Um, but you can make wiring out of it. I mean, right. Yeah. Shell casing. I, you know, I got it because we have a little forge for like making things for fun. So I was like, it's probably not the best metal for that, but it's metal and it's cheap. And Ian was like, I should buy it. So I just bought some. So cheap. Got copper bars. 
They're like, they're, it's sure. really cool actually. There's like, it was not a precious metal when you bought it, but now it is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is, it kind of, uh, there's like dollars. It's like an Amer, it's like, a, it's like a, it's like a US dollar, but it's just copper imprint. That's pretty so cool. It looks pretty cool. Yeah. And it's like, it's worthless. So you're counterfeiting copper money. No, no, no. You buy it from the, like, no, yeah, no, 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 of course not. Yeah. If it was yeah. rare, no. I think it would be as valuable as gold. If it was the rarest gold. <laughs> he's yes. like, maybe he's like, we've got, he's like, we've got this printing press out yeah. back yeah. with yeah. special ink and paper. You run the copper through and. People keep saying Alex Jones was right again. Yeah, remember, I remember when 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 what, like a jar, right? The jar. Yeah. Didn't Joe Rogan say like people owe Alex Jones an apology like a while ago? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think he did. Yeah, it was because uh, we, we I mentioned this before because we had him on the show. He told me that a lot of the meat we eat is cloned, and I'm like, no, we're not eating cloned beef, Alex. That's crazy. <laughs> I, I remember like, this. Yeah. Google it. And I, I Google it. And this, I'm yeah. like. Dude, oh. we're eating clone beef. So <laughs> like, this, this didn't this come out with was it salmon? Is it salmon? Is the new one that they're oh, rejecting? It's um, it's it's like lab grown. I, I want to say it's salmon. Could be something else. But and I it's and it. the the new one. I remember it's and it won't be labeled, so you won't know. Oh wow! Yeah, you right. won't know. How crazy would it be if like literally Alex Jones was never wrong, and we actually lived in that crazy of a reality of all the cr- interdimensional aliens and cell towers and chimeras or whatever. Did you see? Wasn't didn't someone try banning human chimera research? And the Democrats said, "Like, yeah. nah, we're good. We're going to do it." Really? Yeah. What was that? that was was that story. in the Fauci leaks yeah. too? No, 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 no. no. It, was, it, was, it was like a normal voting session, and they yeah. were like, "So and so's amendment to ban oh, human right, animal right. chimera research." No. So yeah. it was like, this, is, was it, this is when they were doing the voice votes a couple weeks ago. Yeah, it wasn't long. Yeah, yeah, there were a few of those, and they they did actually say in those voice votes there was a there was an amendment. Um, I forget if it was Rand's or not, but to to shut down um, research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Yeah, yeah, that one passed. Yeah. All right, let's uh, let's grab some super chats. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. David MN says, I teased Jack about overusing the phrase breaking news and he blocked me on Twitter. I miss his tweets. Is that true? <laughs> um, no, that's not true. I don't use, overuse that phrase. <laughs> All right. Nathan Snyder says, there was a recent study that but, showed. But give, me, give, me, give me his account. I'll, I'll take care of it. Says David MN. I don't know. All right. We'll, we'll, yeah. Uh, just remember that one. We'll, we'll take oh, care of it afterwards. Yeah. Nathan Snyder says, there was a recent study that showed the effectiveness of masks at protecting the wearer. In a low uh, low Viron environment, masks are effective, but in a high Viron environment, masks offer no protection. Yeah, there was something that came out that said um, indoors, the air circulates so much that after a certain amount of time, it becomes less and less effective. So that was a huge problem. That you like, it, we we learn new stuff every day. I think it's fair to say, you know, a lot of people are saying like Fauci was saying, don't wear masks, and I'm like, the, there, there's an email where Fauci says he advises someone not to wear a mask. And I'm like, right. And then a month later, he literally said the exact same thing on 60 Minutes. Right. Identical. This, this is essentially concurrent. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's, 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 people think he was secretly changing his opinion. No, no, no. He was public about being wrong and flip-flopping. What gets me is the people that I see just out in public, outside, by themselves, wearing a mask. Yep. Protecting Brooke, the environment. Yeah. Brooke O says, Tim has the best, uh, Tim has the best at impressions. I think you're saying I'm the best at impressions. And that's true. I am. 
But uh, but Jack's got a good Stewie Griffin. So well, you know, the Stewie Griffin's all right. There's a few <laughs> different ones in there, but you know, that was the one I just. Can I don't even know what it was. Yeah, I don't even know what you're talking about there, Chad. Your Stewie's good. Your Peter needs. Yeah, some Peter's not. Yeah, Peter's yeah. as good as that. Uh, you know, it's as good as, as that it's, one. But it's, it's kind of weird because so. Stewie and Peter are both Seth MacFarlane. Dude, I, I actually got to see Family Guy live once, and they did it in New York really? in Broadway. Yeah, and so I got to see him doing a table read of this. Uh, <laughs> the whole cast was there, but when you see him do it live, you're like, "This guy has like split personalities," or something, because oh, yeah. like, he's he's holding the conversations with himself in real time, and it's it's wild. It's absolutely wild. That's cool. Someone gave us a whole bunch of banana emojis. Oh, yes. Thank you. Wow. Yeah. What's up with the bananas? We're gorillas. Apes. Oh, no, we're gorillas. apes. Apes That's together. Right. Apes, well, apes together. Strong. Yeah, no, but this week apes. it's apes. Okay. AMC apes. apes. Shout out to a- shout out to the AMC army. All love. What's it? What's it? The diamond hands. It hit seventy four, I think, or what seventy two? I think it's. Yeah. Oh, let's check it right now. I think it's. I. I so I got, I got. I know there's I, after hours. I got lettuce hands. <gasps> you got lettuce hands. What does that mean? I'm out. Banana hands. Well, you won. Banana hands out on 68 <laughs> right now. 68 oh, right now. 68. 68. But it hit, yeah, it looks like it hit about 72 at one point. Man. And I think, I think it's going to go way up, but. They uh, keep saying it's, they keep saying, right, you know, not the squeeze, not the squeeze. Tim's not diamond hands. Tim is no. not diamond hands. No. Confirmed. I was just like, Confirmed. I don't, I, you know. I'm was, looking was, at them, folks. They're not diamonds at all. Nope. I just didn't know. I didn't want to, like, I didn't buy them before, like, when, when the memes started. When did you get there. in? When did you get in? Just, like, a couple days ago. Okay. No, I think literally yesterday. But you didn't get in back in January. A bunch of people. I, I had, like, a little bit. Okay. You know, uh, like, very, very little bit. Yeah. Like, 10. I got in, like, two weeks ago when it was, like, 14. Yeah. And then just like the, today, I'm, I'm still watching, in, folks. I'm, I'm still crazy. in. We got to do. I didn't, I didn't feel comfortable constantly talking about it, it rising. And also holding stuff because I'm like, what do I do? Hold it till it's zero? Or I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to have it. I didn't buy any GameStop either for this reason. It may, I get scruples. No, I, I hadn't bought, yeah, I hadn't bought GameStop, but this one, this one I've gotten. So I'm right. So I, I, I just kind of felt like, nah, I'm gonna, I'm, not, I'm not gonna do this. So I sold it because you want to report on it without being on one side there or the other. I didn't want it to get to 300 with me constantly talking about it, and then people right. be like, he's doing it he's because doing, he's holding right, it. Right, right, right. Okay. Got it. Yeah, got it, but yeah. I, I still did. Like when it, when it started jumping up really high, I was like, right. nah, I don't, I'm, I'm. We got to get a, a picture of Tim all like, nah, with lettuce hands, <laughs> yes. with the lettuce, lettuce hands. Yeah, nah, <laughs> he's just like, lettuce beanie, lettuce hands. I love lettuce hands because someone was making fun of David Portnoy, uh-huh. and I, I like Portnoy. He's cool. But someone mentioned how he sold his meme stocks, and they called him. Lettuce hands. Yep. Right. It was on a hotep, I think. Hotep Jesus. And I thought it was funny. Lettuce. It's worse than paper. It's definitely worse. worse. Yeah. <laughs> Lettuce hands. But it's so visual. I love the. I love the visual. You know. What, you know. What I'm, you know. What I did though. Um. Uh, I invested in uh, graphene production. Okay. Companies that produce graphene. Ooh. And this will help with the counterfeit press. I mean the. 40. No. 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 <laughs> you know. Just. Just. Ian won't stop talking about it. So it's like I'll just buy some stock. This in graphene company. is what's going to reindustrialize. Wait. Wait. He's like, got it. The United States of <laughs> America. Going Are on? you familiar with graphene as a material? Uh, I, enlighten me. It's a single layer of atomic carbon. So okay. just a flat layer, hexagonally latticed. If you look at it, it's like looks like a honeycomb. Sure. And it's a uh, more conductive than copper. It's stronger than steel. It's uh, more deformable than paper. You could make like touch screen. It's a superconductor and a capacitor as well, so it can be like a battery and a wire all at once. Wow. You could make like touch screen wallpaper. You can make clothing out of it. That's like. Touch screen. Um, you can so eat it. You can alloy with so many things. It's not too hard to make. It's just that we have to build the facilities to make it. So once, so I, I look at these, these, some of these companies, and they've been going up in value. The yeah. ones that produce to get graphene production. Once we get to the mass production level, it's going to start revolutionizing tons of our electronics and tons of stuff we make. And mm-hmm. then I think these companies will skyrocket in value the more it gets heavily adopted. So it's like a, a 
It's like a, a snowball rolling down a hill. Right. If you build it, they will come. Once the factories exist and they can make it cheap, cheap enough, everyone's going to want to use it, which is going to make the factories ex- expand and grow. And scale, scale, scale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the meme stocks, it's fun, but I'm kind of like, I want to invest something that makes me feel good that's it's tangible. You know what I mean? I can appreciate that. Which is Dogecoin. So I bought a bunch of Dogecoin. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. Orwell was a prophet, 1984, says, for service guarantee citizenship, how about a net $1 taxes paid threshold to vote? If you annually paid 5K in taxes but received 5,001 in government programs, you can't vote. Just $1 net paid. Hell, I'd be okay with one cent. DeSantis Paul 2024. Mm. It's not a bad idea. If you're on the receiving end of, of welfare, then you abstain. And if you're on the producing end of welfare, then you get, get a Damn, vote. The problem like is not perfect. people that are born into poverty and people are born into wealth. I hate that. that I, I hate that family wealth is passed down. I mean, think about it this way. This is clever, though. Listen. If the people who are paying taxes, let's say you're born poor, right? And so your family receives some kind of benefit. Then the rich people who are paying taxes say, we are tired of paying all of these poor people. We're giving money to the government. It's going to them and they're lazy. So then guess what happens? Because you can't vote, they all vote and they strip away your welfare benefits. Well, guess what? Now you can vote. Now you can vote. <laughs> I think it's going to make a lot of angry voters. I think we need. I, I, a va- I, I, I think what we need is a vanguard of the working class, <laughs> clearly. And the it vanguard you, Jack. will something. drive them. Will drive them into the promised land. Yes. Milk yeah, that's milk, right. Milk and honey. I can see it. Milk and honey, folks. Nolan Bus says, "Will you please have Steve Bannon on?" Uh, I think we could. We could. We could muster that That'd if. Be fun. Uh, yeah, if we could. Uh, you know, Steve Bannon, right? I, I could ask him. It's it's hard. Steve doesn't want to go to anything. He's like I, yeah. he's like a recluse. He's, too like he's like a recluse though. Like he doesn't want. To, he does not leave the you know the Bannon townhouse. He does not like I, to I bet leave it's there. Nice. It's 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 you know, very nice. This is the same it, thing. He, with, every once in a while, will but it's like very you know specific reasons. Same thing with Crowder and a bunch of other personalities. I'm like, why would they leave their own show, which is wildly popular, to come and do my show? It, you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense. People who are consistently running a podcast have less of a reason to leave their podcast for somebody else, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. I mean, I Limited can, circumstances. I can, I can, I can run it by. Well, you know, we'll see, whatever. Yeah. That'd be fun, I'm not, yeah. I'm not going to cry about it. Like, uh, people were like, get Crowder on. And, you know, I'm just like, Crowder's not going to fly out here. He's like, he do, he's doing a show. He's doing a big show. It's way bigger than this one. Yeah. He'd be doing me a favor if he did. That'd be great. Hey, shut down. Hey, buddy, shut down your company for a day or so just to come out and help my yeah, company that, that, grow. That's the thing, too, is like people don't realize that, you know, when you get to a certain point that you're, you're just constantly being pulled in different directions. Yeah. Like, you know, even, even for me, it's like, you know, and, and, it, time is a finite resource, right? So, you know, the time you're putting into this means like, like for me, it's like, Hey, I, I'm, I, this is a night that I didn't get to see my kids very much. Right. Yeah. I spent the whole day with them, which is great, but it's like, that's, you know, is it worth it? It's like, you know, Tim, I haven't done it in a couple months. Let's you know, come out and do it. We've got the book. We're doing human events now. So let's do it. But, it, but at the same time, when you're, when you're running operations out something like a Bannon or a Crowder, et cetera, you know, you're constantly churning, you're right. constantly churning stuff out. Or you're like Fauci, who's just so, you know, he's, he's responding to emails. That's all he does, apparently. He's, he's a machine. Respond to emails. Oh, gee. All right. Let's see. Liberty or Death says, before COVID and Chaz, there were frequent rumors of mysterious trucks driven by racist people running around Seattle attacking people. Then a truck flees at a Chaz and a teenager ends up dead because they whip up these lies to recruit people. You tell a lie for a few months about crazy cars. Then once everyone's heard about it, you go, join us. To defend against these cars. You've heard about the cars, right? 
No. I mean, I heard about, the, I know about the shooting incident. But I mean, but like, prior someone, to someone, someone makes up the rumor. I'm saying hypothetically. Right. You start a rumor. You wait a month. Then you go up to someone and say, you heard about those cars, right? Those racists? Yeah. It's bad, right? Yeah. Help us stop them. You see what I mean? We have to so stop we, the cars. You make the rumor, and then you recruit off it a month later. Yeah, obviously. All right. Daniel Welch says, Tim, I have to correct you. You keep saying beef is bad for the environment. Please get someone who knows regenerative agriculture to talk about food systems or watch Sacred Cow on Amazon. Grasslands can store huge amounts of carbon. That is true. Yeah, I think the problem is factory farming for the most part. So Michael Schellenberger talks about this in, in his book. And, I don't know, and he'd be something great for you guys to have on if you haven't um, yet. And his book is fantastic. And he's, he writes it from the perspective of an environmentalist. But something he talks about in terms of the environment is that the, if we make better processes for uh, cattle, like we're not going to stop raising cattle, right? This yeah. is just something as, as a civilization we've been doing for, you know, arguably 5,000 plus yeah. years, right? Uh, you know, husbandry, agriculture. That being said, the more efficient we make these processes, the better it is for the environment. Yeah. Rad number two says true anarchists want to be able to own machine guns, engage in consensual transactions and be left the hell alone by the state. Antifa are just a bunch of posers. That is true. But how can you own anything if there is no authority? You, you can't aggress against another person. But like, how, who are you to say that it, it belongs to you? That's only because the authority says it's yours. So in a left anarchist vision, everyone agrees to arbitration. So you have, let's say, let's say in their utopian vision of a, of a society, there's no authority. It's just literally if there's a river and people are disputing what can go into it, all of the people with a stake in it have to sit down in a big circle and do jazz hands to discuss. So someone says, I'd like to, to speak, please. Um, I believe that the river would be best accommodated, blah, 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 blah. And then someone else will be like, I disagree. And then everyone votes. So it's a vote comes down to a vote. Yeah. Demarch, demarchy. And then, basically. no, demarchy would be Not random democracy. representation. Democracy. democracy so it's, it's, it's democratic, but uh, it ultimately, in many of the situations where anarchists have tried, it has to be unanimous. Well, so this is something similar to what they're actually trying to push in Rojava, in that northeast Syria uh, sort of quadrant, where they call it democratic confederalism. And, and that's the idea, is that it's sort of like these local councils that are set up. But then they have a lot of this like ultimate authority and there is no there's no like higher board see, or commission that they go to. Th this is the problem. Obviously, if you have a large swath of land, there's no way to have a meeting of, you know, 100,000 people all doing jazz hands to figure out what they like or they don't like. When you have 10 people, consensus is not hard. However, with Occupy Wall Street, when it scaled up to even a few hundred people, the whole thing broke. I'll, yeah. give, you an, I'll give you an example. It's hilarious. The sanitation working group. The people who cleaned the crap at Occupy said, we need bins for storing things when it rains. Otherwise, everything gets soggy and dirty. So they said, I propose as the working group, sanitation working group, that the, you know, the, the, the funds that we have from the donations be used to buy us a set of bins. Someone then said, I, I object. This is wasteful. We can't use plastics. It's destroying the planet. Someone then said, compromise. What if we do recycled plastics? So now we're taking them out of the dump and putting them to good use. Someone else then said, but they're not being produced fairly. So if we buy the recycled ones, we're still propping up unfair trade practices. So then they said, okay, here's the compromise. We need fair trade recycled plastic bins bought on a secondary market, not from a major store or a chain or a corporation. And so they went, agreed. And then the executive, the, uh, the, the facilitators went to Walmart and bought bins. Huh. 
because you can't do that. How are you supposed to find? Yeah, what where is, are they going to find these magical bins that check every little box? It's impossible. Of, right. It, yeah. So so what was happening was at the level that they you need, had a few hundred people need. and everyone had a complaint. Right. So if you have 10 people and someone's like, I propose that for dinner we have uh, um, fried rice. And someone else says, I'm not in the mood for rice. It makes me gassy. I want uh, uh, fried vegetables. Well, then a consensus is not hard to come by with only 10 people. Eventually, someone says, OK, how about we do noodles instead with fried vegetables? Oh, this is like uh, what, you know, what pizza toppings. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like the classic. And then know. people are just like, OK, we'll do half pepperoni, half mushroom. Done. We're good. Right. Consensus. You're not going to get there with 100,000 people. It's not going to happen. So your, your, your lefty anarchy is very difficult to scale. However, right anarchy is... I've got a bunch of valuable things that I'm willing to trade in exchange to make you agree with me and give me what I want. Yeah, this is like Galt's Gulch. Yeah. And so then, you know, Ian's like, I don't want gluten-free pizza. And I say, Ian, I will give you a bottle of water if you agree with me on this one. And Ian says, bottle of water works for me. But the problem is if you come in with all these, like, gems and baubles and you're like – and then I, I take a few for myself and say, hey, look, I have some gems and baubles. I'm going to sell you – those you are my gems and baubles. So that means you aggressed against me and I'm, I'm – But how can you prove that? I can just under under these like standard- no, so in in right anarchy they do believe in property rights right right so the property rights I is can sh- like the I can one de- I can defend my property enforced. from you as the aggressor against me who who enforces that I though, do in an anarchy but what if what if like how what if what if you look out of out of sync what if they believe me and and then you doesn't matter I don't know man leave arbitration up to the barrel of, of to the gun it doesn't make a lot of there's a lot of problems with it but ultimately it's don't aggress against other people so again i'm not an anarchist i think there's it's a bit too utopian and i think Which, what, what are you saying though is that that's what it would come down to right it, it, would, right. it would come down to people just right. saying you know what Fine, I'm, yeah it's gonna come down to shootouts and that's what leads to warlords and that what's li- right what you do. this is why this I, is I don't why no country in the world has ever tried this yeah i think one of the biggest problems with with uh with ancaps is the rise of monopolistic powers what would happen if we had five competing private private police forces? They you get know, bought up one by one by well, the so one big I, one. Well, so I call my private police force on Ian because I claim he stole bread. Well, so then the Ian- Citizen app was talking about this. Yes. Did you see this? Yeah, mm. I saw that. that. So the Citizen app was talking about having this. So you know Citizen app, right? It's, no. Mm-hmm. It's, so certain cities – oh, you don't know? Okay. I some, totally looked this up. Um, yeah. yeah. So some cities have this where – I don't recall if DC has it yet or not, but big cities. And it's, it's just – it's the idea of taking those um, like police band radios – and creating an app that basically recreates that. But it's something where, hey, I, you know, it's almost like in, in the Waze, you know, traffic app where oh, right. I, I saw this crash. Well, instead of that, it's, hey, I saw a break in. Hey, I saw some crime. I saw this, you know, and sort of next door, it, you know, kind of has this similar as well. So Citizen is an app where you are allowed to post all of those things as a quote unquote good citizen. Well, they were going to take that to the next level. And I believe they scuttled the plans, but they, they were talking about doing a private dispatched police force wow. that you could actually call out through the app if you're the victim of a crime instead of calling the police. So so here's what happens. And Ian, Ian and I it. get into a people fight. into it. So I call my private police force. We'll call it uh, Mick, uh, Mick Police. And then Ian calls uh, his police, which is like... Police uh, King. Yeah, yeah police, police King. King. <laughs> and then I'm like, he's ag- aggressing on my property. And then Ian says, it's my property. And then both our police forces point guns at each other. And then they're like, well, we're now property of Kentucky Fried Police. 
<laughs> so we're not at we're well, not so able there, to fight you know, each other a, at all. You know, there's a there's an Ancapistan meme. So Ancapistan, of course, is where the right. Ancaps live. And there's a meme of this where um, Kentucky Fried Police. Yeah, where it's it's uh, uh, we will we are our if you join this new bank, we will provide you cover fire as you go to your ATM <laughs> <laughs> free of charge. I love it. All right, Tommy Tampins says, Tim, I think the word you are looking for is silver spoon socialist. The, uh, they get the spoon from the government they run. Brian Cox says, Ian, for President 2024, build back with graphene. <laughs> I think we can make it happen. Yes. Dale Spot says, need to make, quote, who is David Dorn t-shirts and get them out there. Mm. That's not bad. Yeah. Then people would be like, who is David Dorn? Right. Exactly. Fish and Pop says, AOC is a Starbucks socialist. I had a carpool buddy that used to call herself a Starbucks hippie. So <laughs> not. Sure. But that's they, they they always try to claim to be right. Yeah. All right. This uh, so so, so you know, people think they can get me. The first uh-huh. few times they were able to do it. I'm going to read the super chat anyway. Okay. Before you do, can I shout out Michael Knowles' new book? Yes. Oh, oh, speechless. Uh, speechless. Oh, okay. Thanks. Yeah. Controlling words, controlling minds. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry, but continue with the super chat. Oh, okay. So Jason Kyuto says, "I'm speechless that Jack bought Michael Malice's new book." Speaking of speechless, you know what else is speechless? <laughs> Michael Knowles' book, Speechless, Controlling Words, Controlling Minds, available now. <laughs> Michael Knowles turned book promo into a meme. Amazing. So well, that's, people, that's what I've done with, um, if you follow my Twitter lately, I've been doing the MyPillow promo. Yes. So, right, 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 right. So, you know, promo code POSO. So it's any... I, I bought the slippers. Any... Oh, do you like the slippers? The, I got half off. I are they, just are they, promo are they, code are they the best slippers you've ever worn? They're amazing slippers. They actually are really good slippers. Yeah, I was seriously impressed. I'm, I'm, I thought I'm, they'd be all right, but they're like... No, yeah. that's actually one of the main, you know, comments I get from people is they say they they get the stuff and like, I'm, I'm not doing the Pomer right now, whatever, but it's like, um, they'll say, you know, I bought something cause I like, you know, I like, I like these, I feel like he's a patriot. I like his story, I like his Christianity, whichever it is. I like where he stand, that effect, you know, he's taking the stand for, you know, for the right reasons, I think. And they go, wow, these are really good products. Actually. I, yeah. I really like these pillows. I like this. I like such. So what I've done with the meme is that I've, I've converted like every, you know, like Mia Khalifa tried to dunk on me yesterday and I converted that into like a MyPillow promo. I, I said, having a rough week. <laughs> yeah. If you want the best sleep. I saw one you, of your, I saw, you know, I saw some, and, and I so think, you, you convert everything or breaking news, right. whatever it is. I think you posted about the slippers. And then I realized I was like, I don't have any slippers for like, if I have to walk out to the mailbox or something, you know, I just, yeah, you don't want to put shoes on no, if you're only like going out for a minute. You want my slippers, right? They're really Obviously. Nice. And then I was like, I wonder how much it'll cost. And I went to the site and I typed in Poso and I was like, it's not bad. <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, it's, like, it's like, you know what? I want a quality pair of slippers. I'm going to have to get some. Now you're making bank off of memeing. That's a secret. The meme economy is real. So uh, right. there are three books people need to buy. Antifabook.com. Michael Malice's book as well. Speechless. And oh, no, excuse me. And, uh, and uh, Michael Malice's book. And yeah. so we should uh, uh, antifabook.com. Is that out right now? That is out right now. Burning up the charts. Should be number one on Amazon. Oh, yeah. Let's so do it, folks. Buy it. Number uno. So uh, with that being said, make sure you follow us on Facebook and Instagram while you can at TimCastIRL. You can help share our videos. Uh, you can smash the like button if you haven't already. Become a member at TimCast.com because we're going to have a fun, silly it's called the secret war conspiracy theory and we're going to talk about it and it's just really really silly we can't talk about it on youtube though because youtube's boring (laughs) but we're gonna have fun that's what we do we have fun at timcast.com you'll enjoy this so uh just subscribe to the channel share it with your friends 
And uh, you can follow me personally at TimCast. We mentioned your book, but shout it out again, Jack. And, uh, it's Antifa Stories from Inside the Black Block, AntifaBook.com. You guys can check it out. If you don't want to go to Amazon, we've got a bunch of places where you can find it. But you can also find it on Amazon as well. And let's let's get uh, – that book should be number one on Amazon. You know why? Why? Well, first of all, it helps support your work, and you can keep doing reporting on things like this, like Ooh, Antifa. Yeah. But more importantly, then regular people who don't normally hear about this will go on Amazon, look for a book, and they'll see number one, Antifa mm-hmm. book, and they'll say, I wonder what that is. One thing that, that we actually did do in the book that a lot of people said they like is that I actually put out a timeline of the summer of violence of 2020, every single incident, cool. date, time, location, this happened, this was the outcome. So when people say, oh, they weren't that bad, boom. This is what happened there. Boom. This is what happened there. Boom. You can, and you've got the whole thing, right? But you know that number one spot number is? One spot. It's for advertising. Right. Yes, it is. So regular people will just be like, I have not heard this. And they'll look into it, and maybe they'll buy it. Maybe go, whoa. And that's just more ways to spread the message and get the word about what's going on. Were you documenting your time inside the Chaz? Oh, there's a whole chapter on oh, it. There's a whole sure. chapter on Chaz, you know, it's, and it's, it's very, you know, sort of like Cinema Veritas where uh, – the first thing I noticed was the smell as I walked up <laughs> into Cal Anderson Park, and I awesome. saw I saw spray paint that said "No Gods, No Masters," and I knew that I had left the United States for something <laughs> else. Oh snap! I should read the audiobook. I haven't recorded the audiobook. Oh, yet. I should do it. I, I'll do one version like normal, and I do another version like that. Yeah. Hardcore, yeah. Yeah. hardcore, yeah. Movie. The George Guadal uh, ripoff version. You want to shout out your your Twitter or whatever? Or your... Yeah, Twitter is at Jack Pasobic. Um, now the senior editor of Human Events. So go to Human Events. Check it out for your greatest news analysis and uh, dissident op-eds before they ban us. So check that out there as well as Instagram. Um, you know, don't have the rumble up yet, but maybe at some point we will. Nice, dude. All right. Well, you guys can follow me at iancrossland.net and uh, at iancrossland on social media. You can also check out some of my music on uh, Amazon Music and, music and Spotify, iTunes. Thank happy to have you guys. Always happy to see people like Jack succeeding. Always happy to get his input on the show. You guys can follow me on Twitter at Sour Patch Lids. I have a quest to have more followers than Sour Patch Kids, and I'm getting closer. I'm closing in on them, so please go follow me there. It's fun. What is the secret war conspiracy theory? Probably a bunch of nonsense, and I'd be I, probably is probably the wrong word. It's probably it, it literally is bunk nonsense <laughs> from a lot of people who believe really crazy things. No, this this one is definitely. It's, yeah. totally, <laughs> it's, it's, not it's, even. it's totally off the wall. Yeah. And it's, it's because these people, you know, you saw Maggie Haberman. She was like, Trump's claiming he'll be reinstated. Right. It's resulted in this really crazy parallel universe of people who just make things up. But we're going to talk about it. We're going to we're, obviously we're, we're not saying it's real. It's like we're, augmented fan fiction. Yeah, it's like Trump <laughs> fan fiction. Yeah, it's hilarious. That'll be up at <laughs> that'll be up at TimCast.com. Become a member. You'll see it around 11 or so. And we'll see you all there. Bye. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.